0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey, and it is exciting to be back and talking about hockey. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk some hockey. Uh, Are we going to have the games this week? I mean, after (laughs) all, that would be nice to actually see a game. I, of course, am Mark Williams, your host, and uh, just perpetually under the weather. I have no idea what's going on with me. And I'm joined by the good, the bad, the ugly host, Mr. John Falkowski.
1: Yeah, uh welcome back to hockey. I, I feel like I should be walking into like some sort of doctor's office to get my fix for the Rangers hockey because it's been too long. No, no more cancellations, please. We already got a like. Yes. Thank All you. right, we got a like already. <laughs> um,
0: and, of course, fresh from the clinic to make sure that he's, he's COVID negative, Mr. Anthony LaRocco.
2: <laughs> well, the Islanders aren't quite COVID-free, but the, uh, the game is on for tomorrow, and they were back on the ice today. So uh, we'll see them tomorrow take on the Sharks.
0: Yeah, which is a good thing just to get back onto the ice because that is our lead story for this week. I still kind of laugh about it because Anthony said a couple weeks ago, Hey, why don't you talk more about the Islanders? We need to talk more about the Islanders, put them in the lead. Well, they've been the lead story the last three weeks. So, the Islanders had two games postponed at the Rangers and at Philadelphia. uh, Due to the COVID protocol, they're going to be resuming their season tomorrow, hosting the San Jose Sharks, who just beat the New Jersey Devils 5-2. to They have lost eight straight, the most under the Barry Trouts era been shut out three times uh you know i love to see goal differential as, as one of the stats they're minus 20 and they're second to last in goals per game and last in goals scored anthony gotta go to you what do the islanders need to do to turn their season around
2: um string together and like you know four or five wins in a row get a get some good mojo back but um First, the COVID issue. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the league finally did the right thing and postponed their games through the, through the 30th, which was yesterday. Um, but looking back on it, um, the consensus is the league dropped the ball there. Um, I mean, I get, I get play in the home opener at UBS Arena, but, you know, the, the day before the UBS Arena, Lee and Johnston went into COVID protocol, um, which Bailey had already been in it for a couple of days prior before they left Florida. And then the day of the home opener – you're talking Beauvillier, Pellick, uh, and Green went into COVID protocol. Uh, and then the next day, Chara and Bellows. Um, and they just let them – they just continue to let them play the game against the Maple Leafs. Um, and they let them play the game against the, the Rangers. Uh, you know, it it just – in the game against the Penguins too. It, it just – it shouldn't – they shouldn't have took place. I think, you know, you're talking – you know, it could have been three three or four games that could have postponed. That's, you know, three or four less losses. Um, you know, at this point, you know, every point matters. So I think the league dropped the ball there uh, for sure. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned, they still have for tomorrow. Casey Zizekas is going to be unavailable. He's in COVID protocol. Um, and Kiefer Bellows and Zdeno Char are still in COVID protocol as well. But uh, thankfully, uh, Lee and Pellick, Bailey Green. Um, they're all they're all out of protocol and available for tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's it's been a disastrous stretch for them. Uh, you know, hopefully this this break or hiatus uh with some guys coming back will, you know, re energize them. Um, but yeah, they they need they need to win some hockey games. Uh and hopefully having Pelic back and Lee and Bailey, etc. Um, you know, will will help them out. Um but, I mean, look, Mark, you, you, you put some stats at the bottom there before. Um, clearly, none of them are good. But the one thing that I, you know, am, am you know, kind of, well, I shouldn't say astonished by, but impressed by, is that, um, you know, Ilya Sorokin has a 928 save percentage playing, playing behind this bad team right now, um, you know, while Simeon Varlamov has a .881. Um, so that just goes to show – Uh, you know, how good Ilya Sorokin has been, uh, that last game they played before they got shut down, they got shut out one, nothing by Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he was nothing short of spectacular, just the team couldn't give him any goal support. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's honestly quite ridiculous, but, um, you know, like I said, you know, they, they just need to win some games, get the good feeling back in the locker room, uh, give some belief there, but it all starts with one win. You, you win tomorrow against San Jose, um, you know, and and you go from there. Like Trot said, this is a big hole they dug themselves, uh, but they got to get out one game at a time. And I was just gonna say that our playoffs are now. Um, you know, he's right. Uh, it's not insurmountable. I mean, look at the it, the Blues won the Stanley Cup being the worst team in the league in January. Not saying that's gonna happen again, but the point is, um, there still is plenty of time where if they if they start winning hockey games now, they can get back in the wild card race. Um, you know they they do have the talent to do so, but guys are gonna get gotta get their heads out of their asses. I mean, Kyle Palmieri um, has one goal. Um, gonna... Zach frise has no goals. Uh, Pajot, who I thought has been one of their best consistent players since acquired, um, hasn't looked right since you know he got injured in the conference final. Um, you know Matt Barzell needs to put up better numbers. Uh, it's really you could go on and on. Really, the the only player I would say players is, is Pellick who you know went up with COVID, and really Ilya Sorokin. I would say those are really their only two consistently good players the whole season. Um, Wallström was looks like he was heading that direction in the beginning of the year, but he kind of you know he's like everyone else. He's you know snake bit right now. But they just need all the guys pulling on the same rope. Also,
0: Brock Nelson had a couple of games where he was I, showing. I should, yeah, I flashes, should have mentioned Brock Nelson.
2: Brock Nelson right, has been he's, he's, has been really good before he got hurt.
0: I mean, six of his goals came in two games, so yeah. that's that's something to also keep in mind. Um, Philk, is it just that simple? The Islanders just need to get healthy and be home to play games, and that's going to change things.
1: I don't know. I, I mean. I, for a Barry Trotz team, I don't see the same attention to detail on defense and the same effort that I've seen in the three previous seasons under Barry Trotz right now. Um, I, I think it has something to do with the personnel. I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Nick Letty is is obviously not there anymore. That That's a solid top-four defenseman. I know he isn't the defender he was, I would say, even four or five years ago but he's still a solid top four option for them. Uh, I would say that it's also missing Ryan Pollock, who's your probably your 1A, 1B defender, really, your 2A guy. I know Adam Pollock's really a shutdown guy on that pairing, but Ryan Pollock is a guy that's also another heart and soul type guy. That pairing is the sum of its parts, like I've said for a while now, and they're one of the best pairings in the league. So when you take away one of those parts – you're going to drastically affect that pairing, which drastically affects that team in the way that its defense is set up. On top of that, like Anthony said, you're not getting goal scoring from Kyle Palmieri. And I know Islander fans don't want to hear this because he's gone. There's nothing you can do about it, but losing Jordan Eberle is really hurt. It really has. And I, like I said, it would, you're going to, you're going to take away a guy that's going to score you 20 to 25 goals and anywhere from 50 to 60 points a season. And he fit right in with Matt Barzell who looks like he's kind of lost out there, to tell you the truth. Like, he looks like he's passing – he look. He looks like he's trying to do too much to make plays to guys that really aren't in the right spots for him. Something's just not right with him. Something's not right with Palmiari. Nelson, I know he had nine goals, but like you said, six of them came in two games. And Nelson was playing very well. I'm not, yes. not going to take anything away from Nelson. He was playing very well. But – this team just clearly isn't the same team they were last year or the year before. And I I, I think that they need to score. They need another defenseman. I I think that they're going to have to make moves sooner than later. And I know Lou Lamorello has been very good and not overpaying, but if he wants to save this season, if I were him, I would look to make a move sooner than later. I know they have over 60 games left, but you don't want to waste time and you don't want to keep piling up losses. So make a move. Get, get the locker room morale back to where it should be in there, and the Islanders can probably then start stringing together. You know, even if you're not getting five wins in a row. Let's just say you're winning four out of every five games from here on out. You now that, that could get them into the playoffs, and that's what they need. They need to be consistent every night, and I haven't seen that. Anthony's right, though. Ilya Sorokin, if it's not for him, they are – they're behind Arizona if it's not for Ilya Soroka.
0: Yeah, that that's that's very alarming to think about because this is a team that I predicted to be in the Stanley Cup finals. And yeah. um just just I'm not trying to make Anthony or any other Islander feel bad right now, uh f- or fan. I mean, but right now Michael Delzado's got two goals on the season and Pajot won. uh Palmieri won. He's gotta be better. He'd be he'd be tied for Cal Clutterbuck on sixth for the Islanders. So um they only have 10 goal scorers on the season. That's not good either. They no. need to start getting the puck and putting it in the net. Yes, it could just be as simple as getting healthy. But, by the way, this might be a blessing in disguise for the Islanders because now you're realizing Sebastian Ajo should be up. Um uh, Robin Salo should be Robin in Salo's the lineup. This
1: night. What? Robin Salo's been good. I, I thought he yeah. was really good in the Penguins game. I thought his first game he was all right, but the Penguins game I thought he was pretty damn good in. Um, aho has been all right, but you know what? If you're if you're getting if those two can go out there and be not noticeable, sometimes as a defenseman, not being noticed and not and not showing up on the score sheets, sometimes it's just an indicator that you're doing your job properly, and sometimes that's more than enough, especially from two guys that don't have a lot of experience like them. So I, I, I've been impressed so far, Anthony.
2: Well, if you look at the next four games, um, I know Detroit's a much improved team this year, and, and even San Jose. Um, oh, is, and is, Chicago, is lot, six
0: and four in their last game. Yeah.
2: And even San Jose is a lot better than people expect them to be. But um, this four-game stretch is something ho- they should be able to capitalize on because you know Chicago and Ottawa aren't good teams. Um, you know, And San Jose and Detroit, while being you know much improved from last year, they, they should still be winnable games for the Islanders. So this is a stretch here where they could really get themselves feeling good about themselves again. So, um, you know, this, this is their opportunity now. Um, like they just have to, if they could just hold the fork down until Brock Nelson comes back and probably, you know, hopefully two more weeks. And then Ryan Pollock, maybe, maybe in another month, um, you know, and then go from there once they're fully healthy. But I think for now, um you gotta you gotta go with Ilya Sorokin I mean you look at Varlamov's numbers and they just aren't there right now um you know I I said on Twitter a couple of days ago if Sorokin was playing for one of the better teams in the league right now can you imagine how much better his numbers would be um if he if he wasn't playing on a, a team that's underperforming right now so you got to go with him and you got to get you got to do something to get Matt Barzell going I know due to COVID a lot of players are unavailable, but Richard Ponick on the first line with Barzell the last couple games isn't, oh. isn't going to help him get out oh. of his funk. And, um,
0: and you know yeah. what, maybe you go with Goloshev and see what you got. I mean, maybe it gives you a spark plug, something.
2: Well, I, I you know, I, I thought um, last game, he was definitely going to play with more guys in COVID, but he didn't. And then um Brian Compton actually asked Trotz about it in the post game. Um, and he said that Goloshev, uh, he felt that he hasn't he hasn't proved he hasn't proved yet at this level. Well, he hasn't played an NHL game yet. So how do you expect him to prove anything if you don't play him? I mean, the guy's a 26 year old veteran who played in the KHL, which is the best league outside of the NHL, and scored and he was and he was producing at the AHL level. So I don't you're you're gonna play you're gonna play an AHL scrub of a journeyman and Andy Andreoff over than Anatoly Golishov when you need goals. I mean, what's the worst that can happen at that point? I, I don't understand it. And, and now that Lee and Bailey and all those guys are back, he's definitely not going to play now. So listen, for now, just Lee being back with back with Barzel, uh, that's definitely better than Paddock. Um, but you need to try something. put Wallstrom on the top line at Barzell. He needs to juggle the lines around um, and see if he can you know find some find some magic. Uh, look, I actually thought about this, you know being that Seattle's very is a bad team right now. I wondered about if, if Lou could like call up Seattle and and X about reacquiring Jordan Eberle because Seattle's not going anywhere. Um, it can't it can't hurt to try, uh, but because this chemistry is missing there. But, um, look, they simply need to win hockey games, uh, and do it now. So, um, you know, just before I,
0: before before we even think about moving on to the next segment, I made this comparison. Um, the Islanders are basically Voltron and they need all the pieces to come together to form a, a mighty robot to uh, take on the world or the monsters Negative. that are around them. Uh I actually said it was first generation Voltron. It was a, I think it was 22 vehicles. That's to show how old I am. And uh, there's not just the five lions, but we'll just go with the five lions. That's the one everybody knows. But <laughs> yes. I mean, I, and I think that's what happens when you lose a guy like, say, Jordan Everly or Nick Letty. Like, they were – they everybody knew their role. Everything was set. And then once everybody has to figure out what they're going to be, sometimes it just throws teams um, for a loop. And the funny part is we're going to cover that in a second with the Rangers.
1: But- you know what? I, I actually, I just saw this one, and I want to bring this up because I, I want Anthony to address this. Lucas asks, "At what point in the season, if it continues like this for the Isles, do they perhaps admit that the window is start or closed or starting to close, and they start selling? Do you, can you see that?"
2: Well, actually, Arthur Staple, who I'm sure you guys know, is transitioning to the Rangers as well. He did an Isles mailbag today, and a lot of people asked some questions. That you know, if it continues like this, could you see Lou selling? Um, and he basically said, you know. He doesn't. He doesn't think Lou is. is even thinking like that right now. He said, "Yeah, by come February or March, um, if it looks like they're out of it, m- maybe he. You know, maybe he tries to sell a piece like Varlamov, um, Josh Bailey. But he said more so he thinks those are off-season moves. Um, so it doesn't seem like that the Islanders will be doing much selling, even if that does happen. Um, I think they they might view this as you know, for instance." The, the lightning, after getting close around like 2014, 2015, there was the one year where they didn't make the playoffs and then they kind of just retooled and they came back stronger their next year. So I think it's, if the Islanders ultimately don't make the playoffs, I think they're just going to chalk this up to just a bad year um, and then come back next year fresh and hope to get back to the level where they're at. You know, a lot of their guys are are signed long-term, have recently signed long-term, like Palmieri, um, Pajot, they're not going anywhere. Brock Nelson shouldn't go anywhere. I mean, he's he's a fixture on this team. I was about to say didn't he run. just sign? What?
1: Didn't he just sign?
2: He signed the first year after Lamarella was there. He resigned.
1: I was about to say I know that he's got he's yeah. got a bunch of term left on his team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so basically they don't really have anybody to like Bailey Varlamov for the really only realistic really uh, realistic players that kind of like staple mentioned but he didn't really see that happening. He thinks Lou's just gonna—he's gonna see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. See if they can get back into it. Um, if they do, then he's gonna look to buy. Um, but otherwise, he's—he's he's not gonna be in a hurry to sell anybody off. Probably you got
0: some minor deals with Parise and Chara because uh, they're unexpiring. I don't
2: contract. even know if anybody. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. But
0: but I mean, they're talking. You're talking about like not that much of value, and uh, but yeah, per. Uh, Josh Bailey would be the one guy, along with Varlamov. and by the way, hold on a minute, the phone's ringing. Yeah, Ken Holland, yeah, we know you guys need a goaltender. Hold on a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, but then again, he's like, oh, Ken Holland's going to say, oh, hold on, I got it off Chicago on the line. Oh, yeah, that's how much for Flurry. So that's what we're, we're dealing with on yeah. that. Now. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think about the Islanders, and do you think their playoffs start right now, and are they going to be – Starting a surge to get back into playoff contention. Starting tomorrow night versus San Jose Sharks. Third all down in the comments below. We are going to move on to the Rangers. And before I actually mention moving on to the Rangers, check out our channel after the show for this man, Philk. Sorry, he's over there on this one. Uh, Philk's good, bad, and ugly game reviews. And if Keza Filk isn't doing a broadcast, always check our Facebook page, our group page, because Filk will have it on there in written form as well. But the Rangers going in opposite directions from the Islanders. Uh, they well, they, they beat the injury riddled slash COVID-riddled Islanders on Wednesday night. And then in the in the Thanksgiving showdown, they beat the Bruins five to two. Artemi Pederon gave one a goal and Julian Goche to assist. Rangers right now sit in third place, 13, 4, and 3. You got to ask this question, and it sounds weird for me to even ask this right now, Phil. Are the Rangers becoming an elite team?
1: I'm going to hold off on saying elite because okay. th- that implies that they're really, really up near the top. I think they're playing a good stretch of hockey right now, I think a lot of pieces are coming together. You're starting to see someone like Julian Gauthier turn the corner. I think his his last game against Boston was the best game of his entire career. <clears throat> he absolutely powered through Jakob Zabourl to make that play to Alexi Lafreniere for his goal. He was all over the place. He was yeah. a force at both ends, along the boards. That line's been great, that third line of Hedl, Lafreniere, and Gauthier. Uh, three, 1st first-round picks all playing together. I mean, that goes to show you what happens when you can properly utilize talent. Hi, David Quinn. You to so. <laughs> Goodbye. But, um, yeah, you know, Gerard Gallant's pressing the right buttons, too. That's another thing that I'm starting to see. He's made adjustments in these games. And you, you saw it against Toronto. The, the, the passing, the execution in that game for the first two periods was just bad. And then he made an adjustment in the third period. And they came out like a house of fire and almost won that game. And they almost tied it, I should say. And then... The second, the game against Boston, because uh, I'll try to keep this short, but the game against Boston, they've definitely came out, and after that second goal, it was the shift right after the Rangers took over the game. After that, after that goal, from that shift forward, they owned that game. So Gallant's pressing the right buttons; he's getting the right guys into the lineup. Capo Caco is finally starting to come around. Alexi Lafreniere is starting to play better on a more consistent basis. Artemi Panarin's back. Adam Fox is a Norris-level defenseman, as always. What, what else is new? And Igor Shesterkin has got to be a Vezina frontrunner. So, I mean, a lot of the things are going right for this team. I would just pump the brakes on elite. I, I think that they need to play some better teams, which they've shown that they can do, and that's something that's impressed me. While they've played down to the bad teams, they've played up to the good ones. And the game against Boston was proof of that. The game's against Toronto. They beat Florida. Florida. I mean Calgary was the only one where they really looked bad against a real good team. But Calgary's been wiping the floor with everybody. So I mean, but yeah, I'm I am i gonna I'm gonna be careful when I say elite. I'm I'm just being cautious, cautiously optimistic. That's yeah,
0: it. I'm gonna be careful saying elite too. Uh what I'm gonna get in with this is that I'm starting to see real chemistry. I started saying it with the Islander segment of maybe there's a blessing in disguise yes exactly yes Um, yes maybe maybe there's a blessing in disguise that sammy blay went down not that i wanted him to go down or anything or i mean i I certainly hope he's going to make a full recovery and be back on the rangers next year but it inserted julian Gauthier, and Gauthier has played his best hockey as a new york ranger right now and it seems like he's a better fit and again Where you're getting guys that are coming in. Yeah. You get guys that are coming in and they're ready to play and they've been watching that. That's, that's a testament to your coach. Your coach is keeping all these guys ready. Uh, Look at what Barry Trotz has been able to do for years for the Islanders. Uh, He always presses the right button.
1: Can we just well, get Jarrett Tanori fired into the sun, please? Oh, uh, yeah. His
0: drop pass last week uh, versus Sabres was amazing.
1: Sure. Let Anthony... me turn around into the forward. And then the forward put the puck in my own net. Duh. Yeah, Which way did it go, George?
0: Well, a lot of my teammates will say I used to do drop passes to no one, but that's also because I used to think that there were people behind me. Uh, usually it's during a line change. But anyway, moving on from my mistakes. Uh Anthony Phil touched on it before, and it was actually one of the questions I was going to ask. How close is Igor Sizikin to getting ready uh, to uh, getting Vesna consideration?
2: Um, I mean, he's he's definitely one of the one of the better goalies um, in the league this year. He's got a nine thirty three save percentage. Um, but I mean, I think I think right now you got to go with Jacob Markstrom as the as the favorite to win the oh yeah win the Vesna. Um, I mean, he's got I think he's got five he's got five shutouts. Um and he's he's been he's been fantastic. Um and I honestly I can't even see him saying this name because when he was drafted by the stars years back, um and nothing really developed. I thought Jack Campbell was gonna be a nobody, but I mean you can't you can't deny his his statistics on a on a Maple Leafs team that's really not known to be good defensively. Uh, I think he's got a, a safe percentage that's around nine. You know, 946 like around nine forty six and a one
1: yeah. six four GAA, unreal. All right,
2: yeah, I thought it was around there, nine forty five, nine forty six. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's been <laughs> he's been absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic for Toronto. So um, I, I think you got to put those two guys ahead of Shusterkin right now. Um, but I mean, Igor Shusterkin, and we listen, to you guys. We we've we've talked about this. Um, Igor Shisterkin, um is, is has been expected to be an elite goaltender in this league. Um, and I think he's definitely going to win a Vesna, you know, or a couple in his career. Um, but as of, as of right now, this moment, yes, yeah, sh- you know, sure things could change and, you know, Campbell and Markstrom could falter and Chesterkin could be consistent the rest of the year and he can get, he can get votes. Um, but right now I would say you got to go with uh, Markstrom and Campbell. And just because they're always tied with each other, Don't forget, Ilya Sorokin's got a 928 save percentage. So a couple less percentage points than Shisterkin um, on a bad Islander team. So, um, you know, those two guys are always going to be close to each other. So, but I got to,
1: I'll I'll say this real quick. If it's not for the fact that Calgary and Toronto are playing better as a team than the Rangers, I I, I would give it to Shisterkin. I know I'm biased, but Shusterkin is playing behind a worser team than those two, and he's got comparable numbers. If Sorokin's Islanders were above 500 and they were close to a playoff spot right now, I would put him right in the conversation because he's been phenomenal. That game against Pittsburgh, if it wasn't for him, Pittsburgh could have blown the Islanders out of the water. <laughs> yes, in that game. Yeah. They could have absolutely yeah. blown them out of their own building. But Ilya Sorokin said no. And he said, "I'm going to win this game," and he fell that short. So I I, got to say, between Shisterkin and Sorokin, have been more impressive than the other two, if you ask me. I know the numbers are gaudy on Markstrom, but I think the other two have been more impressive.
2: You can, I mean, you you could definitely make those cases. And you also, too, you got you got to give some you got to give some props to Sergey Bobrovsky. He he's had a decent bounce back season. Yeah. Um, you know but he
1: also another another one he plays probably behind the best team in the league, yeah.
2: Right now. Yeah, oh, so, I'll um, say
0: this uh, three things. One, first, if you have a microphone, you should probably put it in front of you before you start your podcast. So, uh, <laughs> oops, sorry if uh, my, my sound was a little bit quiet. Going to uh, multiple Vezina trophies, thank you, Anthony. But after all, Henrik Lundqvist should have won multiple ones, and uh, yeah. They that, just that just didn't happen because they didn't vote that way. I still have no idea why. Uh, and the lastly, my concern for Campbell and, and Sisterkin out, out of the three guys, we even mentioned Markstrom in there. Markstrom is the only one to play a full season. Campbell is topped mm. out at 29 games. Mark, uh, Sisterkin is topped out, I think, it, at 15 to 20. I, I actually forgot to look up his numbers, but. You're talking about guys when you throw a full workload on them. I always call this the Yaroslav Alak rule because Yaroslav Alak broke down as the seasons went on. It wasn't until he had career high in games when he played his first year with the Islanders that actually he was okay. But he, he, he you, you throw more games at the guy, he breaks down. And I, I get worried about goalies that have not had a full season. That's where I get worried. And it happens a lot.
2: And you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say his name because of how he played in the playoffs. But you got to give him his due. Folks uh, was giving him some props on Twitter the other day during the game. Um, but Tristan Jari, he's got a 9.38 save percentage, and his goals against is a one, uh, one point. I forget the exact number, 5'8 um, maybe or something along those lines. Um, he's been really good too. So you you got to give you got to give him a lot all of all credit, credit as to well. Jocelyn Tebow. I mean,
0: Tristan Jari. Like, seriously, the, he's got the worst glove I've ever seen. And it's only going to be a matter of time until people exploit it again. Or maybe when he gets back in the playoffs, he'll put money on the <laughs> offense team and yeah. get an assist in a Game 5 overtime winner. What goalie ever throws the puck through the middle of the ice in overtime?
1: Anyhow. Yeah, I, I, you he's, know what? The past is a pass there, but I, t- I tell you right now, the redemption, the mother load of all redemption towards this season is probably Tristan Jari's. I, I have not; he has bounced back, and he's a big part. Uh, two reasons for Pittsburgh's success. We'll, I mean, get, into we'll, the we'll the get to the on other that one later on, but <clears throat> Tristan Jari is one of the big two. So,
0: I mean, it's I and and look, maybe he'll convert me into a believer. And maybe I'll just say good regular season goaltender, bad in the playoffs. Uh, but I mean, it, it's gonna be a while till I predict for uh, Pittsburgh to win a playoff series again, especially if he's the lead, the lead <laughs> dog. Okay, everybody, what do you think about the Rangers? Are they an elite team in the making or an elite team right now? Uh, Ira Sisterkin, is he gonna be a Vesna finalist? Throw it all down in the comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And once again, tonight after the game, that man over there will be doing a good, bad, and the ugly. And hopefully I'll be able to tune in myself and watch that. All right. We are going to uh, do a bar talk segment as soon as I can knock off that. All right.
1: And actually do these while we, uh, while we uh, do this, can I, can I promote drinking while we? Uh, while we I'm come? not sure yeah. if you
0: actually can drink on YouTube. I know you can on TV, but will, we'll have to find that one out. Uh, although, then again, <laughs> I already did that back during the summer.
1: <laughs> ah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Here
2: you go. I'm going to take a shot on this one. You're going to say
1: beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh my God.
0: And by the way, I still think Taylor Hall is the Bryce Harper of hockey. I mean, <laughs> oh no! What well, are you oh, trying you know, to say, Joe? You know, yeah, on, you gotta show. give you gotta give some credit. Phil Phil has been killing it with that. Although, I mean, Man, with,
1: thank when, you, when, thank when eventually
0: you Anthony's schedule clears up, well, he will be doing some of these as well. But uh, after all, there's a lot a lot on our plates. But everybody, welcome to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we talk about NHL topics and gauge our confidence in them based on our choice to drink. Do you want to just do a shot? Are you going to so so you'll have a beer or are you going to buy everybody around you so confident? And you know what? Phil, we're going to start with you on this one. The New York Rangers should stay away from Phil Kessel. Uh...
1: I'm going to go with a beer. And the reason why I say this is because of the fact that he he's a right wing and he's cheap and Arizona can retain salary. So there's a lot of – there's some ups to Phil Kessel. And I, I think with a change of scenery, he could be really productive. He could actually – stylistically, he sort of fits what that line, that top line needs uh, in, a, in a right winger. He's a a good playmaker, but he's also a very good sniper as well. He's a very good skater. I still think there's gas left in the tank. The question is about him is that he's just not much of a defensive player. So, you know, Riley Smith might be a better fit than Phil Kessel. I also happen to think that a certain Alex Radulov in Dallas, if he becomes available, would be a very good fit on that top line. You want someone who plays like Pavel Butchnevich, it's Alexander Radulov. Maybe not as good defensively, but playmaker, goal scorer, can drive play. He's a guy that can do all, all those three things that Pavel Butchnevich did pretty well. The only thing he's not going to give you is penalty killing. So I would say beer here.
2: Anthony. Uh, you know, Phil Castle still has a shot, he's got a really good release. Um he could still skate well. I mean, he's he's not as fast as he once was, but um, he's not a slug by any stretch. As Philip mentioned, he, he's a pretty good playmaker. Um the his actual dollars owed is less than his cap hit, so that's attractive. Um, but you know, he he is he is older. Um, and I, I think you know, obviously there's some wear and tear on that body of his. You know, people like to make fun of him, call him hot dog boy or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, um you know, I, I think he can he could bring some veteran scoring to a, a team that's going to be uh, in the playoffs. So, uh, and again, the cost to acquire him really shouldn't be all that high. So, um, I'm going to go beer, but uh, and I'm saying beer, and not round. Um, sorry, uh, shot. That is, is because oh. I think um, uh, I think there are better options. Um, I know Darren Dreger mentioned the Rangers have interest in Jake DeBrusque. Uh, We'll we'll see, you know, how that plays out. But, um, you know, my Phil mentioned Riley Smith, although I'm not convinced Vegas is going to move him unless they really looks like they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, But, you know, I, I think there might be some better options than an aging Phil Kessel when the deadline actually comes.
0: I'm actually going to go shot on this uh, because the words is stay away from Phil Kessel. No, there's no reason not to stay away from Phil Kessel. If they end up saying we need a right wing on the top line, they're going to move Kako down. Um, Goche doesn't work out or something like that, Uh, or even Dryden Hunt is just uh, Colin Blackwell 2.0 and not Riley Smith in the making. Uh, By the way, Dryden Hunt's been playing great the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, he has.
0: then Phil Kessel has a spot on the New York Rangers. And you know what he could do? He could do this. He's got those two rings. And he didn't he – was, he wasn't he was just a nobody on Pittsburgh. He, he was actually a was on a key teams. contributor. And you could argue he could have won a con Smythe one of those two years. So
1: yeah. – uh, Yeah. I'm going to give you two more names to think about because I think this team is going to start selling off assets sooner or later. But – a team on the Pacific Northwest Coast might have two players that could interest the New York Rangers. I'm talking about the Seattle Kraken. One, Jared McCann. Mm-hmm. Jared McCann offers roster flexibility by playing all three forward positions, both wings and center. And the other guy, who I don't think they would, but he actually makes a lot of sense because I think he could fit on the top line, is someone who has. A lot of experience playing against the Rangers. Jordan Eberle. Jordan Everly would actually be a really good fit. The problem him with him is cap. Next year, the Rangers might have some cap issues because they got to re-sign Ryan Strom or bring in another center if they don't bring him back. So I wonder if they could make that work cap-wise, but Jordan Eberle would be a real good fit on that top line with Chris Kreider and Nika Zibanejad.
0: Well, oh, it's the stuff that we're going to have to look out for because after all, as... As uh, our guest Ray Ferraro said two weeks ago, <laughs> the cap always wins.
2: Yes, the and cap yeah, always it, it
0: might be blasphemy, Shannon, but you know what? He's not—he's no longer an Islander. So, Anthony, this one's going to go right back to you after uh, this one. they are not winning.
1: And they are not winning the cup this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, again, Ariana... you're not
0: giving up that much to get him. You'd only give up maybe like a low-level draft pick.
1: Yeah, wouldn't be yeah. much, Ariana.
0: So, Anthony, going to you, the Islanders' power play is their biggest problem.
2: I mean, last couple of games at home, there they were the Boo Birds came out when they were on the power play, and uh, it's definitely an issue. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to say beer. I, I just think their, their biggest issue right now is they're, <clears throat> they're just giving up too many. They're, well, they're too, They're playing sloppy um, in their own zone, and they're giving up too many chances um, and it's causing their goalies to be under siege. Uh, and being that they're not scoring, it's hard to overcome um, when the other team does put the puck in the net. Uh, so I know we talked about Sorokin has messed some of that problem when he's been in goal. So maybe you don't notice it, but um, in the games of Vorolomov played, I, I think you could really see it. Um, but, yeah, their, their, their power play needs to be a lot better. Um, you know, if they had a good power play, I'm sure they'd have a couple more points Um, But I don't – I don't think it's their their biggest problem.
1: Philk. I'm only going to say this because of the wording, but shot. Uh, To me, the biggest problem is most definitely their defense right now. Uh, They're – not even just their their defense corpse, but their team defense has just not been good enough. They've – like I said – it, they don't, they're not playing shots hockey right now. They're not limiting shots. The Anthony has said it before. They're giving up too many chances, too many shots. Uh, they're, not, they're not getting leads in games. And I would say their scoring is an even bigger problem than their power play. Yes, the power play is part of the scoring, but their overall scoring, especially at even strength, has just been abysmal. And they're, they're not getting secondary production from anybody Matt Barzell has eight points in 17 games that's on pace for less than 40 points that's bad uh and you you need to, you need to have a lot more than that from a guy like Matt Barzell who should be on pace for 65 to 70 points at the least so uh I'm, I'm saying shock here I mean yes it is a problem but not I wouldn't even put it in the top three
0: I'm gonna go to beer uh, I wanted them to initially buy everybody around, but Anthony talked me down a little bit. you mm-hmm. talked me down a little bit too. Uh, I have to say this about about their power play: they have five power play goals. Chris Kreider has nine. Uh, that is not a good situation. <laughs> yeah. Also, by the way, Phil, where do most players pad their stats on no. the power play?
1: I, I so get that, and I agree.
0: It's it's something that needs to be done because when you have a weak power play. One problem when you have a weak power play is teams are willing to take more penalties against you, knowing if you put them on the power play, they're not going to score that. That's just a fact of life. That's one reason why I think nobody wants to go near economic McDavid. but it's also they, they need to make people pay, put it in the back of the net. And I'm surprised that power play is this bad. You got Wallstrom has got a cannon. Lee who stands in front of the net. Nelson who digs pretty well. Barzell sets everybody up. Pollock's got a cannon. I mean, what it's, they got the personnel. They should be able to do this, but we've been asking that question about the Rangers for the last 20 years. Here's
1: the question. And not even really a question, but a statement. And I know Anthony, when we talked about this a while back, I thought that he was going to develop into this but Ryan Pollock has not developed into the, the trigger man that he should be on that power play. You, you have know. a triple-digit shot, and he just does not get it on net nearly <laughs> enough and doesn't shoot it nearly enough. And I think that's a big part of the problem. And oh. now, especially
0: that first year on the trots, he had a great preseason, and everybody started looking at him and going, he's going to be the next big defenseman.
2: Well, his, his, first, his first full year in the league, he had 10 goals and 32 points, and then he followed up with a 37-point year and then a 35-point year. So it looked like he was on track to – develop into a defenseman that consistently scores 40 points. And then Barry Trotz took over. I I think the only thing I could say is that, listen, you don't have – granted it was three years, but you don't score – as a defenseman, you don't score 10 goals in two out of three years and then just forget how to score. So I I think his defensive game has come a long way, and I think he's he's put a lot of time and effort into focusing on that and being that Trotz – the system that he plays – I think maybe he's just kind of his offensive game's been neutered a little bit, um, but yeah, no, he 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 has the shot to absolutely score more, um, and he, and he's done it in a small sample size. So um,
1: yeah, but that's not even the issue for me. The issue for me is just like the, getting the shots on net, and especially and, and firing more on the power play because Ryan Pollock's not going to be the guy that's going to take the puck in the rush uh you know at even strength like a like a Tyson Barry or a Kale McCarr or someone like that you're not you're not getting that from Ryan Polk and you wouldn't expect that
0: but no but you put him in the Ovechkin point. spot that's what we were thinking
1: not even that but just the the point get the screens get the deflections why, why are they not utilizing him like that
2: it's the system uh, the, their power play's been ironically enough like the, the the last year Tavares was there when they missed the playoffs and were a bad team they had a better power play than they have in any year since Trotz has been here. So uh, you got to assume it's the system and how they run it. Because like Mark said, they, they do have the, they do have the tools. I mean, you have, you have Barzell and Beauvillier who, who are really good at gaining the zone, the zone entry guys, uh, you know, Nelson can really shoot the puck and distribute it, you know, lean in front. So it's, yeah, it's a system. I, I, yeah. gotta I, know, I'd, I'd,
0: I'd, I wish uh, Jacob Truba could be Ryan Pollock. But uh, yeah, me
1: too. Yeah, me too. Oh, I've been more satisfied with
0: Jacob Truba as of late. So that's a different story. Uh yeah. so once again, because I just in case if I cut this in the middle, guys, what do you think is the Islanders the biggest problem in their power play? And should the Rangers go after Phil Kessel or stay the hell away from him? Throw it down <laughs> in the comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Guys, we're gonna go across the river now. And big news this week when Jack Hughes Signed an eight-year... i oh, only throw that one up now. An eight-year, $8, $8 million-a-year extension. I know if you might read that. I'd, I'll fix that in a second.
1: Uh, people dollars, are going to see
0: yes. that and go, oh, it's $8 million. No, no, it's a, it's a $64 million extension. But Jack Hughes will be the franchise player the Devils expect. I'll start this one off, guys. uh You know, I'm going to buy everybody around. I, I think Jack Hughes is going to be too good. And it's not even... Not even me because I, like I've, I've I've bragged about it before. Ever since I found this out, I used to play high school hockey with his uncle, but uh, and he was a good player too. But I just think if Jack Hughes ends up being closer to Matt Barzell year one, that's what the Devils are going to hope for. Like an eighty point guy, maybe he's not that great defensively, but he was looking fantastic um, in the first couple games, and then hurt his shoulder and then that was it i i I hope for both american hockey and for the devils that he's good because i still want that caco hughes rivalry to go on i just would like to hide that contract from capo caco and be like yeah don't worry about eight million dollars yet buddy (laughs)
1: i'm gonna say a beer because it, the word franchise is is tough. Like, would, would you say that Matt Barzal is a franchise player? Because that's kind of what I think Jack Hughes is heading for. Um, I, I think Jack Hughes might be a 70 to maybe 80 point player, depending on the talent around him, because of the fact that I don't think Jack Hughes has the shot that will make him a 30 plus goal scorer i think he's a guy that could score 20 to 25 i think his hands are incredible he reminds me a lot of barzell great skater great hands great vision great passer but does the does the shot scare you as a goaltender you know is is that something that goaltenders and 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 opposing forwards and defenders alike are 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 they going to have to respect that at some point so if that gets better. I I think that Jack Hughes could be over a point per game to a maybe 90 point player at that point. But I I just, I don't know if it, if it does. So I'm going to say beer here. I think it's possible. It really depends on how the, the talent around him develops because I I think that's going to be key. If Alexander Holtz turns into a 30 to 40 goal scorer. And part of that is Jack Hughes. Then Jack Hughes is going to be a guy that's probably going to have 60 to 70 assists a year at that point. Well, Dawson Mercer's looked great too, and Dawson Mercer has looked great. Yes, you're right, Anthony.
2: I'm going to go around, uh, and it's because I think a lot of, like for instance, you don't have to be a hundred point player to be a franchise player. Like for instance, John Tavares was the Islanders franchise player for a long time, and he was a seventy to eighty point guy. Um, and I think I think Jack Hughes can be a seventy to 80 point guy for the Devils. He's got the skill set to do it. He just got to work on his shot, as John had mentioned. But um his skating ability is top-notch. Um, you know, his edge work is top-notch, his passing ability, stick handling. So um yeah, I, I I definitely think he could be that player. And you know, it would behoove the devils to surround him with top talent. But um, I think for you know, for these next eight years, you would hope if he stays healthy. That when you think of the New Jersey Devils, you think of Jack Hughes and everything, you know, runs through him. So um, I'm going to I'm going to buy everyone around here. You know, I'm going to just
0: uh, piggyback off of the comment that's right there. Mm. What do you think about these bridge deals that you're betting the player is going to be something? This uh, is not a bridge deal. Well, no, but I mean, it's not a bridge deal. All right. Let me clarify it. Long term. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a long term deal. But you're trying to bet on what they're going to be and get a bargain down the road. Um, it's worked out for say Nate McKinnon in the Colorado avalanche. It hasn't worked out for Clayton Keller and the Arizona coyotes. Like, where do you stand on that? I think you you pay the guy on what he's done and try to like work your way up instead of just like Adam Fox is a different story. I, and I was
1: just gonna say that, that was that was gonna be the example that I brought up. Okay. So do you go and you give Adam Fox 9.5 million right now, or do you bridge him, come back in three years and have to give him anywhere from 10 and a to 12 million?
0: But that's, in this case with Adam Fox, he already won a Norris on the ELC. I,
1: I, I get it, but th- that's the risk you're taking, though. And that's like if Jack Hughes were to have gotten bridged. And let's just say the next year he went up and put up 80 points. And the year after that, he put up like 75. And the year after that, he put up 80 again. Then you're looking at paying Jack Hughes 10 and a half to 11 million instead. Okay. Like now you have him at two to 3 million under what you would have had to have paid him, even with the cap going up slightly. So it could be like like uh, uh, the comment that I just had up before he, Ariana had this right. It, it, even if he ends up just being an 80-point player, that contract at 8 million is fine. Think about some of the UFA players that make eight million or more. Like Ryan Johansson makes eight million. Would you take Ryan Jacob the makes eight million? Or million. Jack Hughes? I, I I think I'd rather take my risk on Jack Hughes at eight million because even if he just turns out to be a seventy-point player. I think I'd rather have Jack Hughes going forward at eight million than Ryan Johansson. Anthony, final thought
0: on that?
2: Uh, I mean, I don't have to say anything because, as usual, Phil. You know, for the most part, we're on the same wavelength. He he took the he took the words out of my mouth. Um, it's too much of a it's too much of a risk because if if you bridge Hughes, like he said, and then he goes off when he's eligible to to be extended again for his next contract, you're talking you're going to pay him a lot of money, like ten plus. Yeah. So when you have a player like him where, you know, you feel like the odds are that he is going to become a good player, you, you have to pay for that potential now uh, and save yourself a little bit more money. Because if you don't, you're going to pay more in the long run. So, All right, so let's stay in the Metro
0: Division. And we talked about this team before, but another reason why they're still sticking around in the standings, Pittsburgh's success is a testament to Mike Sullivan's coaching. And before I have Phil's answer on this, I can't help but say, wouldn't you like to be a team that had him as an assistant coach for years? That's (laughs) 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 All right, Phil, go ahead.
1: I wasn't a believer in Mike Sullivan for a long time. Um, I thought he was a good assistant with the Rangers. Um, I I think they could have kept him, but this season has really shown me that Mike Sullivan is the real deal as a coach. And there's a reason why he's going to be on Team USA staff. I think he's going to be the head coach for Team USA, if I'm correct, right? I think Uh, so. Uh, Yeah. So uh, he, he has dealt with so much adversity so far this season. Not just finally getting Sidney Crosby back recently. No, of getting Malkin still. He's coming back soon, and it, they got Tristan Jari to rebound. They were playing with Jeff Carter as their number one center on opening night, and then he was out for a little bit with COVID, and they were still managing to tread water with no one, no one in terms of legitimate top six or top nine centers for a little bit there. This is a testament to Mike Sullivan's coaching. I'm buying a round for everybody that's watching everybody that if I was in person, I would be buying rounds for everybody. I I, I couldn't, this is one of the most confident things I could ever say that I've bought a round on, but yes, this is, this is Mike Sullivan. I'm a believer. I'm sorry, Mike. I was one of your critics for a while, but you've won me over
0: Anthony
2: round. Um, You know, for, for, it feels like for the last few years, He's always been missing uh, a lot of his key players at one time, Crosby, Malkin, Letang, uh, you know, Gensel, um, sometimes dealing with subpar goaltending. Um, and, you know, people always counting out the Penguins. Are they going to is this going to be the year they, you know, go down the tubes um, and he manages to make them always stick around. Uh, I think he's one of the, you know, overlooked, even when you think of like some of the better coaches in the league over the last few years, you think Trots, I know he's not coaching right now, but you think Babcock, um, you think Quenville, I-, I think sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle. I, I think he's easily top five head coach uh, for my money. Um, and the Penguins are lucky to have him, and he's doing and he's doing a really good job with them again this year. So um like folks said this this is an easy round. Uh, you know he's 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 really been. Um, you know, one of the better things to come out of Pittsburgh, uh, you know, since their cup days. He's good.
0: I'll say he's uh, one of the best things to come out of Pittsburgh since Fermandy Brothers, because I'm going to buy everybody around. If you have it at Fermandy Brothers, by the way, there's sandwiches oh, with so coleslaw so and fries on top and they're fantastic. Uh, the. I've I've actually been on the Mike Sullivan train for a while. I wasn't in his first year. I thought the Rangers were going to beat him and said he ended up winning a Stanley cup. And uh, Mike Sullivan has done wonders with that team. And I think one reason why he doesn't get respect is because he has Sidney Crosby on his team. It's because he's got Evgeny Malkin, but they've had injuries and they'll st- he'll still get them to the win. And that's why it's so hard to predict when Pittsburgh is going to, bottom out and get out of the league, uh, to the playoffs. I mean, it, it's just, it. it they're always going to be there with them. And that's also another reason why I say the Metro is one of the hardest divisions, because you look at their coaching, you go from just right now, you go Laviolette Brynden Moore, Gallant. Laviolette I'm Sorry, Laviolette
1: There we go. Yes.
0: Yeah. I've been saying his name for the last 30 years, and yet wrong. I can still get it wrong back when he was a player on the Rangers um, for all those 13 games. Uh, so the um, uh, so then you got Lindy Ruff, who was uh, a coach for decades, and you got Mike Sullivan. I mean, this, there's, and let's not forget Elaine yo Th- This is this is murder's row for coaches. I feel bad for the guy in Columbus, it's slipped in my mind,
1: John Tortorella.
0: No, not not Tortorella. Now, the, oh, yeah, that's right now.
1: Not. Um,
0: yeah, I forgot his name uh with with brian burke as the gm they'll definitely try to make a splash they always will yeah. try to make a splash with brian burke as the gm so again uh if i didn't do it i am buy everybody around but no actually i could spell <laughs> lovely yet uh because it's yes l-a-v-i-o-l-e-t-t-e okay wow here we go. And I still think Peter Laviolette is one of the best American coaches, if not the best American coach of all time. I still think that right now. Going to possible trade deadline rumors, Tomas Hurdle would be a perfect fit for the Boston Bruins. Mr. LaRocco.
2: Uh, round. I mean, I think with the loss of Krejci, I, I think they could use another another you know very high-end skilled center. And I think Hurdle uh, is that. Um, now the only thing is, with Hurdle, we you know we kind of heard the rumors before the season started, but then he kind of put those aside and said, you know, he's not wasn't sure what he wanted to do, and for now he's going to focus on hockey. Um, I think with San Jose being better than expected, I think San Jose's preference is try to is to try to extend him. Um, so we'll have to see, but um, if he hits the open market, I absolutely think the Bruins should be online, um, you know, trying to acquire Hurdle for sure. Um, so I'm going to go round. I I mean, but I I just don't, I'm not sold if he's definitely going to be available.
0: By the way, I just want to say, I I checked out comments just now and I love this one from our Mr. John (laughs) Mikowski.
1: Yeah. I hate you right now.
0: (laughs) Go ahead, Phil. I'm
1: going to, I'm going to chime in with a comment first here because this one kind of fits it. I can see Hurdle going there from Julian. He fits their play style. So you're going to tell me that you have another highly skilled two-way center that's a check that can come right in and and play good defensive hockey and plays tough and has a big body? Uh, Give me Tomas Hurdle all day if I'm Don Sweeney. Don Sweeney should be hitting them up. But as Anthony said, is he going to be available because – it, unless san jose starts to fall off i don't i don't know if they're going to want to deal him off now at this point so i, I i'm buying around just on the, the, the premise itself though
0: i wasn't sure if i did this for you before so i'll do it again and yeah. would he be a good fit yeah he'd be a good fit on a lot of teams we're gonna do that again and somehow crushing anthony's head i'm crushing your head crushing your head <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Tomas Hurdle would be a great fit for everything. But, yes, exactly what Phil just outlined, and he took him away by answer. You're going to replace David Krejci with another check center? Might as well be Tomas Hurdle. And who knows? Maybe he can do the uh, goal between the legs again. But it's –
1: Just not against the Rangers, please. Thanks.
0: Yes, and not to end Marty Biron's career. Although, yes, we do know he played another game after that. So that's another story as well. Here's a simple one, guys. The wild are underrated. Uh, Yeah.
1: I'm buying around on this one too. Uh, I I, I just, I think that they, they have a solid defense, even with Ryan Suter still not being there with not being there. I I think their forward group has started to play better. I I just wonder what happens with Kevin Fiala because it looks like he's on his way out. Um, Mm. It just, uh, that seems like a little bit of a sticky situation. And uh, as Chris G pointed out here, Talbot is winning. Uh, yeah, and he he's been very good, and we'll we'll bring up uh, Stat Boy Stevens' uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite nickname for a team: the side salad of the NHL. And yes, the side salad of the NHL. If Stephen Stephen is watching, they are playing well. So um, I, I really think that. This team's underrated. I don't know if they have enough noise to do damage in the playoffs or enough firepower, rather, but uh, they are a, a pretty good team that's played some pretty good games against some good teams, so yeah, they are underrated. I'm buying around,
0: I'll tell you what, I'm gonna buy around too. I'll jump in on this one before Anthony and uh, yes, Cam Talbot is playing very well. I have him on my fantasy team, I am the biggest Cam Talbot critic that there is because after all, he was the anointed one in 2015 that they should have traded Enter Conquest instead of him. But you know what? Cam, Cam is playing very well for them right now. He's just winning. That's what he's doing. Uh, and it's helping them. They're top line with uh, Kaprizov, uh, Zuccarello, and shoot, I forgot their center. They're playing uh, really Victor
1: well. Rask. What was it? Victor Rask.
0: All right, cuz there was another guy that was playing on that center cuz he was saying all I got to do is put my stick down and they'll find it. I, w- I don't think it was Ryan Hartman. Uh was somebody else. No. But Joel an Eck is is One of stepping the best into Lakers that
2: role.
0: Yeah, he's he's they're, they're doing well with their forwards group. So I mean, that's what what's not to like about this team and then throw on top, Colorado Avalanche aren't there yet. So they're not jumping over them. The Blues, they're still they're still there, uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of teams kind of falling off in that division, and Minnesota might end up winning it. Anthony,
2: uh, round. Um, they don't really have a lot of sexy names on the roster aside from Kirill Kaprizov, but boy, I mean, you see a player, man. He's got 25 points in 22 games. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that brings you out of your seat. Um, and then Ryan Hartman, 12 goals. I mean, Ryan Hartman having 12 goals. Who would have yeah. predicted that? um you know and then they have one of the better defensive uh players in the league as you guys just mentioned Joel Erickson-Eck, um Talbot's been good in goal um you know Marcus Felino is a, is a tough gritty player for them um so you know yeah they're they're the sum of the parts um but they're playing really good hockey uh, and just to mention again boy do i love Kirill Kaprizov he, he he's he's fun to watch <laughs> yeah uh, i i i don't
0: think you're alone in that club we we're, we all love Karol, Caprizov, and especially since I stopped calling him Capril. All right. That God was, mark. I don't even know where the P came from. Oh, good but job, Mark. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm allowed to make mistakes. It's how I came into the world. That's how I'm going to leave it. So moving on. The Vancouver Canucks should have fired Travis Green already, even though Anthony and I went a different way with this last week, talking about Jim Benning. Phil, I'm going to start you off with this. Travis Green should have been fired.
1: Buying around. This team is clearly not responding to him anymore. They haven't been for a while. There's no excuse for Elias Petterson to be uh, under well under a point per game player. I mean, if you if you look at the roster right now and and you just you take away what you can get from the players that they have JJ Miller's playing great. Okay. Like that, that's not a problem. Like he, he's in a contract year. You, you expect that from him, but some of the other names on this roster have just performed so poorly. And, and you just wonder, you wonder what it is, but you look back on, on, on everything. And it's just, it's, it, to me, it's the coaching and they're just not getting enough from guys like uh, Elias Pedersen, who just I, I don't know what it is with him. He just doesn't seem to be just doing what it takes to win. Like I I, I don't I don't see the compete level in him every night, and I I, I don't see enough from some of the other guys too. Like Bo Horvat's playing all right, like but again you just looking at this roster. Just okay, twenty points in twenty three games from JT Miller. He's just under a point again. Connor Garland has sixteen points in twenty three games. Quinn Hughes is 16 points in 22 games. Bohor not only has 12 points in 23 games. Elias Pedersen, 23 games, 11 points. Nils Hoaglander after a strong rookie year, only has 10 points in 23 games. Brock Besser is a major disappointment with only four goals and nine points in 20 games. So, Oof. yeah, Travis Green should have been gone. But And I'll 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 give Lucas some props here because this is actually a good one, but Oliver Ekman Larson was not a defenseman that needed, I needed I I questioned that deal when it happened because you know Quinn Hughes you already have your puck mover and power play guy why did they need Oliver Ekman Larson Connor Garland made a lot of sense but Ekman Larson why you need you yeah need,
0: he's you need and he's been their matchup defenseman
1: so and that and to me you know that's that's part of the problem uh, you, you you're right if if Oliver Ekman Larson's a matchup defenseman, you know you're not getting solid defense in your own zone when he doesn't have the puck, so that's a big thing. But because if if not for Thatcher Demko's solid performance this year, then you're looking at a real you're looking at Vancouver being a, a lottery team. I would say
0: they might be there anyway.
1: Anthony, fine around on this
2: round. Um, I mean, I talked to you about this, Mark. I think Travis Green's more culpable here than than Jim Benning for sure. I mean, because Benning's giving them some good pieces. You um, there's a lot of smoke around Vancouver. I mean, aside from smoke about Green being fired and removed, um, they may shake things up. Here, JT is JT Miller's name. Some people saying Brock Besser needs to change of scenery, which if you look at his play, you would have to tend to agree with. Um, you know, so they they very well might look to shake things up. Um, you know, I, I I saw a tweet the other day that, the, uh actually the Islanders had scouts at the Canucks-Bruins game, so – um, you know, two struggling teams in the Isles of Canucks. Maybe they can look to hook up and make a deal. But um, Vancouver needs to do something because um, clearly it's not working. But I, I think they're going to look to fire green before they make a move. But I won't be surprised if if they ship off J.T. Miller Miller's in a contract year, like Phil said, um, or if they wanted to make like a hockey trade or shake things up even further, they could move like a Brock Besser. But, um, yeah, you expect more from this team. Um, especially after making the big trade, getting OEL and Garland. People expecting them to take the next step hasn't happened. Um, I think you have to remove Green, um, and then maybe that you know, kind of reinvigorates them. Uh, but something's got to change there in Vancouver. I can't believe I'm saying these words that are about to come out of my mouth,
0: especially if I told the kid in high school that watched the New York Islanders. I am the biggest Travis Green defender here. The answer is you got to buy everybody around. They're 2-8. and You can't can't fire uh, 20 players. You have to fire one coach. It's just where that option goes. Now, I want to also be clear. Everyone should be fired in in Vancouver. Everyone. Fire Benning for putting him in this situation. Fire uh, Green because right now they're not playing well. You go – you probably – Mike Babcock's been attached to that that job. Uh, He'll probably (laughs) end up getting it. And it just—you you look Garland at this team, would
1: fit for the Rangers in a heartbeat. Oh God!
0: And and on. Connor Garland could fit on thirty-one teams, including the one he's on right now. So thirty-two. So it, it's just as far as that goes. You look at them two years ago when they were playing for the COVID Cup, and they won the playing round. They took Vegas to seven games, and you really thought this team. Actually, I think they won the playing round, then beat St. Louis, then played Vegas. You, you thought this team was going to be on the rise. You thought the the rebuilding was over. It's not. It's and this is something Ranger fans be cautious about because it could easily be you in this seat watching your team. But then again, that's that's why you need a veteran coach in moments like this. So, uh, as as far as I'm concerned with Travis Green, if he's on the team USA. Uh, coaching staff. I'll be happy with that. But as of right now, he's got to go in Vancouver. But and again, I can't believe I'm saying the words on the biggest Travis Green defender that there is. Guys, I left this on the list. Anthony and I briefly touched on it, but now that we got Philk and I'm actually going to put out the short uh, uh, video about this later on this week. But the NHL should pull out of the Olympics and Philk, I'm going to start with you.
1: Really going to put me on the spot first, aren't you? Josh? Okay, I'll start. Sacrificial. Now I'll, I'll I'll start, and I uh, I'm going to say beer because I could see arguments for both sides. Um, I could see why you would want to pull out. I would see why you would want to go on. With it. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't get that comment, that and, and David, but, it works
0: even better with your name. Well
1: yeah. Well done, David. Well Wood
0: done. never pulls out.
1: Oh man. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> oh. <laughs> oh but I'm gonna try to compose myself here and answer this question. I'm gonna like I said, I, I, I gotta say beer because I just I could see arguments for both sides. Uh, I I I understand there's a lot of time and effort put into this and there's a lot of revenue to be made that could really help. Um, a lot of people. I mean, it just—it's—it's it's tough though, because with the COVID cases popping up across the NHL, you, you know that there's, you know, you know that there, it's still an issue, and it's—it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. I don't know. if we're, I don't think we're headed necessarily for another lockdown. Hopefully not. But um, you know, it, 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 there's there's a good argument that they should pull out of it but I I understand why people would want it to go on at the same time. So I'm going to say beer here,
0: Anthony, go ahead.
2: You're probably repeating yourself from last week, but I'm going to precursors by saying I don't don't want them to, because I think Olympic hockey is fun. And I want to see the best players in the country playing for, you know, playing for the gold, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to actually say round, Um, you know, I think it was yesterday or two days ago there was the tweet that a lot of the media guys kind of retweeted. It was from the NHL PR saying they sent a memo to all teams saying that they have to suspend having like, uh, Christmas parties. They can't have any of that. Um, so you're going to tell teams that they can't have, you know, Christmas parties within the organization, but yet it will be okay to send players overseas to China? I mean, it just – it just kind of it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me uh, for them to do that um, and then go ahead and still go ahead with the Olympics, especially with, with cases COVID cases popping up across the league lately. Um, but with that said, you know it is approaching the winter season, so just like the flu, you're going to expect more cases are going to um, you know are going to occur. I mean that that's just kind of like logic. Um, but I think all things considered. Uh, it's probably best that they do because, I mean, the Islanders need two games rescheduled. Uh, you know, the Senators missed a bunch of time. So all it's really going to take is if there's like one or two more teams that get shut down for a little bit because of COVID, I don't see how they're going to fit those games in. Um, yeah. If you still go to the Olympics. So they might end up having no choice, but um, I'll go around.
1: On, on a lighter note, <clears throat> this was great. Uh, yeah, because yeah, the, the, the USA jersey is a terrible
0: suck. I'm going to preface this by saying I actually am one of the bigger fans of Olympic hockey. And if they and if they do play over there, there we go. are going to be watching a lot of the games and still be doing this broadcast every Wednesday. I'm buying everybody around on this. It's, it's a no-brainer. They, they shouldn't be going. And I know I had an editorial uh, during the summer about mm. this. Is it the right time to be going? But there's a couple different things that are really eye-opening. Here's the problem, though. The NHL pushed their chips all in. They, you have a two-week period in February, and you're not going to just reschedule the games. If they pull out three weeks. Yeah. So they got an All-Star game, and then they're sending people over there. They're not sending over scrubs. They're sending over stars. And it's the stars versus it's, – it's basically they got three weeks of an All-Star tournament, first starting with the All-Star game and then going on from there. So that's fantastic for the fans. The problem is if somebody tests positive in China, there's a three week quarantine. Uh-oh. That that you saw that yeah, tweet that's,
1: that's that, a big that came
0: up a couple weeks ago. I mean, think about it like this. We were Anthony, we were talking about it last week. Our eyelid, our, our eyebrows went up that Josh Bailey couldn't leave Florida. Now yeah. put him in China
2: yeah yeah that
1: that made no sense like how why i i get josh bailey had it but he's vaccinated why was josh bailey not able to just take a private flight home that was stupid they didn't want to nhl
0: nhl didn't want to do that i
1: know that that's what i'm saying like it's stupid
0: how do you not get one person in a car and go bring them up there
1: international travel is is dangerous right now with 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 this especially like you're right if if you get it if you get covid you you could be stuck in China for god knows how long, and, and, and that's that's not good, right? At all.
0: And and you know what? Look, I understand why the NHL wants to go. There is two billion people there with lots of money to spend, and there's so much for the league to get at expanding and expanding the league, that's why they pulled out of Korea, but they weren't they weren't against going to China. This is they actually a good weren't.
1: point from Lucas, though. Like if they were gonna pull out they would have had to do so over the summer cuz like right i don't know if they even can at this point can they really like, i don't this, think that they,
0: I, I don't think they i don't think they should and i don't think they can i think they should but that's a different story let me correct that um or i don't think they will and i don't think they can i should say but it's just like uh was it Arthur Stable that was talking about that that a couple of the players were or the NHLPA was concerned about the the three week quarantine like imagine Connor mcdavid being over there right before a gold medal game test positive and
1: edmonton oilers if you yeah, need them i mean i don't i don't blame any player that wouldn't want to go over there right now not yeah. not one blame in the world not i wouldn't lay an ounce of blame if there were players that said they didn't want to go over there right now
0: like it's just it, it's just stuff that it's it's scary when you start putting it into international terms and different countries do different things different ways.
1: I don't want to get political here.
0: But and I'm not getting political is that.
1: And no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying I don't want to get it political here, but this is actually a really good question. Do we trust an Olympics organized by China to be safe for the athletes at this point? I don't know. I, I really don't know.
0: I I I don't know. I don't know either. And it's also it it's it's sort of like it's sort of like somebody reassuring you that everything's okay, and you can't help but ask, is it? Yeah. Are you sure exactly. it's okay?
1: That, that's the thing. Oh, like... The
0: ship isn't sinking. I'm only bailing out water. But it's... Like, I don't trust... I wouldn't trust their, stas- their statistics. Like, or anything else. But it's... Is the juice worth the squeeze? I'm not sure if it is right now. And and granted, I feel sorry for Alexander Ovechkin and Cindy Crosby. This will be their final Olympics, more than likely. But I, no, no, the answer is no. I, I, I would not be sending my players over there. All right, but hey, guys, what do you think? Uh, should the NHL pull out of the Olympics? Minnesota Wild, underrated team. And uh, Vancouver Canucks, they should have let go of Travis Green a while ago. Throw it all down in the comments below. Uh, I'm just going to pull Anthony out for a second. And uh, I guess, you know oh, what? I guess we we'll wait. Oh, he's back in. Yeah. How do you, how do you magically do that? As soon as I, I had to go, <laughs> all right, he'll be another minute. Oh, pull him out, bang, you're right back.
2: Party sense.
0: Uh, I did have some honest press conferences that I put in here. Oh, if you guys feel like doing oh, it?
1: Oh, yeah. Why not?
0: All right. Let's do this. All right. Let's get that ticker off. Guys, we haven't done these in a while, and I'm very excited for it. We're going to do some honest press conferences.
1: Connor, just can you give me your sense of kind of where where the group is at? Once again, my teammates come up short.
0: Once again, every single time I see that, I can't help but go, look at Phil now and how much weight he lost. So, (laughs) everybody – Welcome back to Honest Press Conferences. We haven't done these in a while. And you know what? We got at least a couple people that need to talk this week where we say what the athletes really want to say or coaches or executives. And we're going to start with the New York Islanders and the man with the horse's head in everyone's bed, Mr. Lou Morello, Anthony LaRocco.
2: Well, first I want to start with um, um, Mark. Um, never call me again. Uh, that was that 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 you don't you don't just call up Big Lou on the telephone um, and make a fool of yourself so um, <laughs> I'll start with uh, a lot of people wondering about my team. Um, yeah, we had expectations to you know be a Stanley Cup finalist at the beginning of the season um, hasn't really gone as well as we expected but um, I believe in Barry Trotz and the veteran group that we have in that room, and I think we'll pull out of it. But um, I'm disappointed the league didn't um, postpone our game sooner. Uh, but thankfully, uh, being Big Lou and everything, I was able to um, send some of my mafiosos to Bettman's office. Um, and I got, you know, there are two games this past week postponed. We'll be back in action tomorrow. But um, I'm confident that once we get Brock back and, and Ryan back in a month, we're going to get back on track here. Uh, we have a world class goalie. Um, and again, I believe I believe in my coach and I believe in the team that I assembled uh, that when playoff come, playoff time rolls around, that you know we'll be there in the thick of things. Um, but I'll take some I'll take some questions.
1: Lou, I, there are rumblings that you guys need some scoring. There's a certain player in Boston named Jake Debrusque that could end up being on the block. Is that uh, an option, or are there any other options that you guys would look into scoring, and how soon would you guys look into possibly making an acquisition? Uh, yes. I think Lou got a wow. lot time. Wow. Uh short answer yes long answer Wow. that was the, the shortest
0: answer and and just disappearance ever.
1: <laughs> might oh, be putting horse head in your bed
0: yeah I mean I guess he's he's right now gathering that horse head yeah. uh that that I was I wasn't prepared for that one <laughs> okay so Lou uh what was the answer to that question
2: sorry about that I um I got a call from Barry um you know, he, he's he's, a, he's an interesting player in Boston. Um, I always use the catchphrase when when you have time, you use it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to see what our team can do here once we get healthy and these guys, Anders and Josh, uh, back from COVID. Um, but uh, I always say, you know, I'll improve the team if it's there and it makes sense. Um, as you guys know, I don't like to talk about players from other teams, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, as things develop here. Um, you know, if we could pull out of this on our own, but I'm always looking to, to make this team better. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But um, like I said, my, my scouts and my team are always out there looking uh, at options to make us better. Um, but I'm hoping that it can come from in-house first.
0: Lou, last week, your team dealt with a lot. Uh, you were opening up a brand new building and dealing with the COVID protocols on top of dealing with key injuries to a couple of players. How much was it frustrating for you that the league kept on insisting that you play these games?
2: Mark, um, how come you didn't ask me this question when you had the balls to dial my <laughs> telephone? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed there. Uh, you know, you, 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 just, you sounded like a scared little mouse. Um, I was scared a
0: scared little mouse talking to you.
2: But, um, you know, it's, it's the NHL has protocols in place. Um, and after talking to the, um, you know, the, the medical experts, they felt that it wasn't check enough to still play. Uh, I'm very disappointed that our captain, uh, Anders Lee, um, wasn't able to partake in a historic first ever game at, at UBS Arena. Um, and Josh Bailey, our, our longest tenured player, has been through a lot ups and downs in organization um, that he wasn't able to as well. Those two th- that, that meant a lot to those two guys, and I'm disappointed for them that they missed out on it. Um, but again, um, you know, they, the league felt that we had it in control enough to play, um, and we still had some good players out there. Uh, just unfortunately, we, we weren't able to get the job done uh, out on the ice. But, you know, passes in the past. So hopefully, you know, we got a couple more guys in COVID protocol, but it seems like uh, for the most part, you know, this, this is under control. Uh, and I have put back some, you know, rules uh, within our organization for the time being too, to to make sure it stays in check. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm disappointed that you know our our home opener in a new building had to be uh, had a shadow cast over it by by COVID. But this is the nature of the world that we're living in right now. Um, but you know, for for a second, Mark, I'm kind of annoyed. I, I had some chicken parmesan on the on the <laughs> in the oven there, and yeah, you kind of pulled me away from that to. To do this, I have a lot of cigars to smoke and tiramisu to eat, and um, you know I'm, I'm here uh, answering questions that could have just asked me on the telephone. So I I, I actually
0: blame my my associate that is uh, usually with me, Anthony Larocco, for the mix up.
2: Uh, well, so um, see, but he's Larocco. He must be a nice Italian young man. Um, so don't, though, you know, you don't put any blames on my fellow Italians.
0: No,
1: no, no. Well, I mean, you don't, I'm you don't ever take too. a man just... away from his chicken parm.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah I, I'm Italian too, yeah. Lou. So that's all.
2: Yeah. Well, Williams doesn't seem like it.
0: I uh, So, 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 All right.
2: Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. And, and thank uh, you very much, Lou. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Lou. Yes. So, uh, a quick update on that
0: since, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, update everyone watching. Uh, <laughs> Anthony switched phone numbers on me when I was supposed to be talking to Marty St. Louis. So uh, he's, and he's switching with Lou's. So yeah, that was fantastic. Oh
1: I, I am not
0: a good cold caller. And I actually, and he goes, Oh, that was Big Lou. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> Lou's going to kill me. <laughs>
0: Oh, i was so anyway
2: i was dying the whole time when i when i gave it to you i'm like he's gonna call him right now <laughs> it's just gonna be and
0: I, I, I i'm afraid talking to one of you guys on the phone on a cold call so... but you gotta you gotta
2: you gotta let them know what, what you said that he wouldn't he wouldn't tell you who who it was i wouldn't tell him,
0: no the guy, i remember the guy wouldn't tell me his name so yeah was, yeah well, so i mean that's you know luke <laughs> keeps it close to the vest don't tight lips but fortunately, we have a second guy that is on with us, and that is head coach of the New York Rangers, Mr. Gerard Golant, and that is Mr. John Falkowski.
1: Well, we reached a point in our <laughs> season where our team looks like we're starting to play a little better. Uh, we, you know, we had a bit of a rough start. I, uh, I definitely criticized the team for not playing up to uh, par, some guys like Alexi Lafreniere, I know who I've been a little hard on, but, you know, I I feel like I've been pushing the right buttons because I feel like he's played better. Julian Gauthier's come up. This team is starting to play like I think they could, they could really play going forward. Uh, my mustache has definitely intimidated some people while I'm at it. I mean, if you look at it, it's really, it's, it's grand. Of course it's going to intimidate people not as much as maybe a horse head in a bed from a, a certain islanders general manager but my mustache is still pretty intimidating so um yeah we're, we're looking good right now we're playing well uh, a bunch of guys are really starting to turn a corner capo Caco, i i've gotten more out of him in a five game span than david quinn got out at him in two years which is funny never thought that would have been the case but this is why you hire someone like me because i can get the job done i can win i'm a miracle worker so, guys, have questions? Line them up, I'll knock them down.
2: Um, Gerard, oh, you go ahead, go ahead, Gerard. A couple of weeks ago, um, there was kind of like uh, not made news, but it was mentioned how you kind of like snapped at Molly Walker when she asked you about Lafreniere on the fourth line. Um, he's been playing better of late, but uh, six points in, in 20 games. Uh, how, how concerned are you with his with his actual production you know being where he was drafted and the expectations he had on him coming into the league
1: oh, oh molly asked a little bit of a rinky dink question there I, I, molly's a professional oh. and you know what you, you you gotta know better than that to ask that type of question in the way that she asked it and you know, alexi wasn't giving me what i thought that he could give me and he's been better since then and would, would you not agree watching the games? Because I, I think he's been. I think that third line has been arguably the best line, if not for uh, Panarin and Strom's line there, because that, that line was been, has been incredible for the better part of the last, I would say, close to 10 games now. But it, Alexi is a first overall pick. All first overall picks are not created equally. And you could look at Connor McDavid and, and say, well, he came out and he was a point per game, about a 90-point pace in his rookie year. And then you go look at someone like Jack Hughes Jack Hughes wasn't great in his rookie year either, but you know what? Every player is different. Developmental curves are different. And Alexi Lafreniere really needs to work on one thing more than anything first and everything else will come because he's very talented. And that is consistency. That is how to be a pro that is coming to play every night and giving the effort that it takes to win shifts. And when you win shifts, you win periods. And when you win periods, you win games. So you got to take it one by one. Um, I believe you guys had a guy named Ray Ferraro on your, uh, on your broadcast what a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about having to match Ron Francis uh, shift for shift, and Al Arbor kept asking him to do it and didn't it, do it again after he did it. Well, that's what I'm asking from Alexi. I'm asking him to come out. I'm asking him to, to, to bring that energy, to bring that physical play that he brought in juniors, and then everything else will come. Uh, there's a reason why he's not getting top six minutes right now. And that's because I'm going to bring him along the right way. You see what I've done with Tr- uh, Trochak, Huberto and Barkov in Florida. See what I did with Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault in Florida, and then in Vegas, see what I did with William Carlson. I'll do that again with him. You give it some time. You'll see the results. Trust me, Gerard. You
0: can't help but notice the way the team has been playing mm-hmm. lately. And is this, Are they starting to completely buy in? And are you starting to see real chemistry from your players now?
1: Yes, and part of that is because of the fact that, unlike the previous coach, I've given them some time, and that's what they need. They need time to gel. And I remember last year, I I, I saw that and went back and I looked at the tape, and I saw that they tried Capo Caco with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Stroll, and it didn't work. But the previous coach gave up on it very quickly instead of giving it some time to work. And what I did was I saw that there were three pieces that could fit very well together, and they all complemented each other in certain ways. Capo kind of plays like a more skilled version of a man named Jesper Foss that used to play with Ryan Strome and Artemi Panarin. And he fit very well because he won board battles. He was a good defensive presence. He could create space. That's what Capo's done for, for Ryan and Artemi. And we had to only break that lineup because of the injury. But Dryden Hunt has played very well for us. He stepped right in and he became, he's playing that Jesper Foss role. So you know what? The lines are starting to create. They're starting to create chemistry, but they're also starting to buy in, and that's the biggest thing as a head coach is you gotta have players that are gonna buy into the system that you put in front of them. And you know what? People said I'm not an X's and an O's guy. I say that's a crock of crap. I know my X's and O's. Obviously, I wouldn't have wanted Jack Adams if I didn't know my X's and O's for my ass. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now, it, it, it's I I got through to them. And that's what the previous coach couldn't do. You couldn't get through to them. And and that's that's the biggest thing is you got to get through to them. You got to know how to talk to them. You got to know how to handle them, but you got to get them to buy in. And when you do all those other things, they buy in. And when you start to see the chemistry build the way it's built, then you're going to get the results that you're looking for. And that's why this team has played better since that last Calgary loss, because they're starting to believe. And not only that, but, I'll give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here. I know Mark, I've seen some of your videos. You like to, you like to do that sometimes yourself. So um, yeah, you know what? I'll give myself a pat on the back for making the adjustments that they've needed to make later in games. The one thing I will say that I'm not happy about is slow starts. Starts have got to be a little better. They got to come out, they got to come out a little bit uh, better in the first two periods. But they're getting closer to playing a full 60 minutes of good hockey as opposed to where they were earlier on in the year. And Igor was really bailing them out in a lot of games. So, I mean, I I, I think the best is yet to come. So
0: I got one more question for you. Uh, Go right ahead. Are you starting to see Dryden Hunt resemble an old player of yours by the name of Riley Smith?
1: Stylistically, he plays a lot like him. Riley's an established player a guy that's had uh, 20 goal seasons 50 60 point seasons so I don't want to jump the gun yet on 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 Dryden but Dryden plays the same type of game he's a high intensity high energy player that gets in on the forecheck he's gritty he wins loose puck battles 50 50 battles down low You need players like that because a player like that can get the puck to your skilled players. And Dryden has a motor, his feet constantly move. I I, I can't say enough about the way that he's played because he's been a revelation for us. This was a guy that really didn't look like he had much of a role when they first signed him. I thought that he can contribute, but not to the level that he's done so far. So I, 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 I don't want to jump the gun on on a comparison to Riley Smith, but stylistically there is some sort of resemblance. I see what you're getting at.
0: And lastly, does he have to pay for the camera?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, if if he's going to continue to break cameras like that, I'll pay the damn. <laughs> I have no problem with that. if He's going to continue to put the puck in the back of the net and break cameras like that. Ask Essa about that.
0: Yeah. I would gladly pay for his camera too. Uh, I, I still remember when that happened. Thank you very much for joining us, Rod.
1: Anytime, Mark.
0: Yeah. You know what the hard part is, especially with Anthony not being in the chat right now, it usually it's, we get the third person who's me. I don't have a third person today. But usually Anthony goes, yeah, yeah, goodbye.
1: You suck. <laughs> so
0: we need to we need to get that one in there. Um, but yeah, thank so. you,
1: thank you to Az. By the way, uh, definitely wanted to put that up the five dollars and go get JT Miller. Az, I'll say this.
0: Thank
2: you.
1: I I like JT Miller. I like the versatility on JT Miller. But do you go and give assets for him? And then have to worry about signing him next year to a big deal that's going to be somewhere between seven and eight million when you have a lot of contracts that you're going to have to worry about in the next couple of years. I, I don't know if they do that. I don't know if I see them doing that. But JT Miller, in terms of style, would absolutely fit this team perfectly right now.
0: Let me ask uh, John Pukowski this question uh, Do you think Lafreniere becomes a point per game player eventually?
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah. I still have have the utmost confidence in that there is a ton of skill within that player. I I, I think two things need to happen. He needs to start playing more consistently. Like he has the last couple of games and he needs to work on his, his speed and his strength. And I I think the first part is going to tie largely into the second part, because I think once the speed improves and the strength improves, I think that's gonna give him more confidence to go out there and play like he has in these last few games. And I, I think that's the big thing. Learning to be a pro is not easy. It's 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 really nope. not. It, it, and a lot of fans underestimate what it takes. And 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 the reason why that cliche learn to be a professional comes up so often because it's it's a big thing. Look at Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon was set the world on fire as a rookie he was a 60 point collar winner and then what did he do the next two to three seasons in in, in 15 16 and 17 he didn't do a whole lot because he was trying to add muscle while still maintaining his speed and that was a struggle for him for three years but in 2018 he figured it all out and him and Miko Rantanen came together and that's when he took off as a player so I could, I could easily see Alexi Lafreniere doing the same thing. Even John Tavares. John Tavares was, what, a 50, 60-point player in 2010 and 11? But he took off in 2012 and had that 80-point season when his skating and his edge work and his strength improved.
0: Yeah, and that and that happens because guys are going to take a look at a lot of things and improve more and more as they get on. And also, it's... It, although hockey, I think, prepares you better than any other sports for the job, because when you're when you're in juniors, especially junior hockey, you're you're representing a team, you're representing an organization. Um, I mean, I remember when I used to always have to make sure I was in dress code, always on time, always always doing a lot of different things, and it was. It's it's where it becomes a job, and you have to adjust to that. That's why I always say when professional players have kids in organizations, I'm surprised that the kids don't get further, like a keeper Bellows or even uh, Tyronning right now with the Rangers. It's sometimes it's not just their talent level, but it's also if they can carry themselves as a professional, then you know they can punch in and punch out, and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Then you get because let, let's go with the other the other thing about being a professional Capo Caco had a lot of adjustments he had to make, and especially coming to a new uh, coming to a new country, learning uh, a new culture, a new language, and let's be honest, New York City is not exactly the easiest place to live right now um that all those things are factors, and now Mr. Larocco is back
2: at the stage yeah I I
0: like, oh no, it's okay, we always miss you. Although I love the lens flares, it's like J.J. Uh, Abrams is directing us right now. <laughs> uh, but it's you know there's there's a lot of guys, but then again there's a lot of guys that deserve call ups from from the Rangers. Yeah. Great news on Will Cooley, who's made uh, Team Canada's uh, invite to their camp.
1: But... Yeah, and I'll, I'll answer this one. There's two that I'll answer, and it, we're, as we're transitioning into the more of the Q and A time right now. But, well, um, does
0: anybody have editorials?
1: Uh,
0: I know John's got one.
1: I had That was one I had from a couple of weeks back. I don't know if we really want to do that.
0: Okay, but somebody's just got pinched for that. So I
1: mean, I could. Well, first, we'll answer this question. All right. So to answer this, and then I, I, I think Zach Jones and, and Braden Schneider should really kind of stay down right now. And the reason for that is I think that as they are now with Hartford playing better and, and Jones and Schneider looking pretty good. I would rather see them get consistent, like lots of consistent minutes in Hartford, as opposed to coming up and playing on the third pairing with the Rangers right now, I I think it's just a lot to put on their plates. And I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the greatest idea to have either one of them up right now at this point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they, they uh, no on that one. Musics. Um,
0: let me also close by saying on the Lafreniere thing. Keep in mind this kid's 20 years old. There's gonna be plenty of time.
1: Yeah, for him he's way too young. To, I, I I still think he's a point per game plus player.
0: Right. This isn't year. this isn't the There's a reason why. By the <sighs> way, when people point to say, for instance, the NFL draft, <laughs> the NFL draft, everybody goes, oh, well, that guy's a bust after one year. Well, that guy's 21, and <laughs> Lafreniere wouldn't even be eligible for the NHL draft yet. Kaka would yeah. barely be eligible.
1: The NHL draft and the NBA drafts are plug and play, though. That they're, Those are a little different. The NHL draft and the MLB draft, it, it, to kind of go f- and further the point, those drafts are harder to kind of predict, and you're, you see less – Professional ready level players at that point, but again, no for well, no two picks, regardless of draft position, are ever equal.
2: I mean, with that said, aside from Crosby, um, McDavid,
1: Ovechkin, well, who?
2: who yeah, uh, first overall, who really yeah, came goes, out and had a really good year? Right, Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane had seventy-two points. I mean, I think
1: Matthews forty goals his rookie year. Yeah.
2: Do that yeah. Games? Well, yeah. he had
1: four in his first game. That he helped. Yeah. First
0: game. yeah. 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 And, but, and I think four yeah. in his first five shots too.
2: A lot of the other like recent, well, not, it's getting a long time. I shouldn't say recent, but a lot of like first overall picks come in and only score around, you know, 40 or 50 points. I think Tavares had 54 his rookie year. Yeah. Um, Nell Yakupov obviously didn't have a lot of success. Nugent Hopkins. Was, yeah, actually, like, he
0: had all of his success came in his first season.
2: Yeah. 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 But, basically yeah you know, a lot so be, uh, more than more than not first round picks first overall picks don't really light it up their first year there's only been a few
0: well guys develop and that's the thing you're gonna have to develop them get them are different yeah it, it, then it's gonna be where do they fit in the coach's scheme where do they fit with uh, their players that are their teammates. There's there's lots of things. Uh, Phil hit the nail on the head before. Nate McKinnon took off when two things happened. More responsibility got on his plate from when Matt Duchesne got moved and a lot of that attitude left. And the other thing is he had Mika Rantanen next to him. That, that's pretty well, damn Rantanen good. Rantanen
1: was developing too. That's another thing. I mean, it, it sometimes it's right place, right time, and it, it's the, also the coaching. Jared Bednar has been really good for Colorado. I mean, if you want to talk about underrated coaches that can kind of get lost in the shuffle because of the talent that they have on their team, yeah. I, I gotta say Jared Bednar is one of them.
2: Yeah, yeah. but I can, tell you, I can tell you this: I don't think Shane Wright's going to come into the league next year and have a seventy-point year for Arizona. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> if he does. Again, if he no, does, yeah, that's, that's a different story in general.
1: But also usage—that's another thing we're overlooking here. Usage. Yeah, uh, Alexi Lafreniere yeah. has barely gotten top six minutes i know they tried him there to a point and he didn't look great there but we
0: number one power play time
1: yeah n- no power play time so you're not building this kid's confidence by putting him in the right situations to succeed at least david quinn didn't gerard galant seems to have a better understanding although i would rather see him on power play one over ryan Strom. i, uh, I like we've been I like beating ryan that drum for a while but ryan Strom's a right hand shot on the right side boards you need another. You need another good left hand shot in Ryan Strom's position.
0: If if not him, Capocacco should be there. But again, yeah. that's why. But that's why you had some videos. I'm not going to say or opinions <laughs> that are. Uh, I'm not going to say the opinions idiotic, the arguments idiotic because the all these things haven't happened yet. But when you're hearing Lucas Raymond's going to be better than all of them, no. Yeah, I, I yeah, I know who you're about. I
1: saw, I saw that. Yeah, it. I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Oh and yeah,
0: that, but I'm, but I'm not knocking his video.
1: No, I know you're not knocking his yeah. video, and I, I, I agree. It's it, it's sort of a fire starter, clickbait type video. Like, yeah, and you know what? Fine, you know what? You, you're you're uh, hell. Right,
0: I, I, I would have made it if know. I thought I could get thirty thousand clicks.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I know. Listen, I'm, I'm not, yeah, not knocking. It. But now, by yeah. the way.
0: Uh, we've, I said before, we have brought back, uh, honest press conferences this week. We want to bring it back a little bit more. We're going to bring back my filkin opinion. You're going no way. Then there's no,
1: I'm looking at you. I'm, I'm going, going to hear the, the name and I'm going to get PTSD. But the cream
2: rise to the
1: top for oh you. Yeah. yeah, I look really fat in that. Holy shit. <laughs> The Ovechkin era begins tonight, complete with an assortment of games. Ah, uh, some something. I was about to say, someone's watching the game right now. Yeah. The first game? Or, or, uh, some, or something. Three. Somebody thought something. Ant, uh, you, uh,
0: uh, you want to hit mute? Thanks, Oh, shit, sorry. Yeah,
1: Yeah, you <laughs> might, might want to mute that, Anth. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, this was something I had piled up and ready to go a couple of weeks ago, but, um, the in this game have got to go, and uh, I, I just wonder why PK Subban got absolutely nothing for what he did to Ryan Reeves. Then again, to Sammy Play, but he got fined for Trevor Zegras. But Brad Marshand gets three games, and, and Brad Marchand absolutely should get three games. Like they, I think he should have actually got more. I think they should have given him five because he's got a history of it, even though he hasn't really been suspended for it. But um, this is one of the most dirtiest, most dangerous plays in all of hockey. I think it is the most dangerous, honestly, to tell you the truth. And the reason why I say that is because you look at Joe Pavelski and what happened to him a couple of years back in the playoffs. And that wasn't a slew foot. But he fell, he lost his balance, and his helmet was loose. So it came off, and he ended up hitting his head on the ice. And that's not good at all. You don't want to see that happen at all but this play has got to be punished with absolute severity and i and i understand that you can't just go oh it's automatic it's got to be something that's carefully reviewed and you know what it it it, it, it's a dangerous situation because you can really change someone's career or possibly even their life if it ends up going wrong and someone like suban And I'm going to disagree with this, David. It it was obvious because anyone who's actually ever played ice hockey and who's who's ever tried to stop on ice hockey knows that you don't swing your foot around unless you are a sub remedial level skater that does not know how to stop. So are you trying to tell me that PK Subban does not know how to stop? i i mean if if that's the case then that's a major problem for pk suban but pk suban has a history of this and he should have been suspended further for what he did but brad marchand he got suspended i I would have given him personally five just because he's got a he's got a reputation of being a dirty player that not only does slew but low bridges as well but at least they they got Marshand, I would say, but they've got to do a better job at, at, at cracking down on these because it seems like players are continuing to do them. They're they're popping up with more frequency, and the NHL has needed to do a better job on these for a very long time. I don't know if you remember 2010, 2011 that back and back that back to back against Pittsburgh where Crosby slew footed uh, Callahan and Dubinsky in back to back games. Yep, and then Dubinsky ripped them apart in the media for it. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's gotta go enough is enough. Uh, and I, I, have this bad feeling that it's, they're not going to get stri- as strict as they should be with it until someone gets very, very hurt. And that's what we want to avoid here.
0: And, you know, it's not just those guys. Cause as I was looking that up, Kevin LeBanc was also suspended recently for a slew foot. It's it's stuff that it, it needs to be, we're worried about diving get all these things out of the game. Uh, LeBanc uh, suspended one game for a slew footing Tyler Bozak because it's very easy to either give somebody a concussion, uh, break their ankle, uh, break a leg. It's, it's just, there's so many extra factors that are in there. And I brought this up before because when, when Colin Campbell originally took over in NHL in, as NHL Dean of discipline, and I think it was vice president of the NHL as well, Bill Berg was lost to him in the playoffs in ninety seven over a slew foot and he wanted what well oh, it kicked me out I don't I don't oh. I don't know what happened there
1: that definitely wasn't me that's
0: no I know sometimes out. it just happens
1: yeah, but anyway weird.
0: Bill Burke Bill Burke was kicked out uh was lost to them for the playoffs in uh ninety seven and since then Campbell made that an emphasis then they're focused on, I mean, everything happens all the time. They always focus on different things, obstruction, or um, they wanted to get slashing out of the game. They, weren't, they worry about interference. slewfoot has got to go. I mean, Slewfoots are pretty pretty much there. And you know what? Um, just to go back to the comment before, I thought at first that Subban was just turning until I looked at that replay again, and he's sticking his foot out yeah, in the corner, you don't, you never stick your foot I, out at the corner. Not, like not that.
1: only that, but you don't stick your foot out when you when you're trying to stop. Right, like you're you you pivot like this. Yeah, and turn. There's the no, old uh, sitting in a chair no swing around.
0: Yeah, you're turning and sitting in a chair. Uh, that old metaphor on that. That's it. And he's he wasn't. He, I and again, I thought at first he was trying to turn, but he wasn't. And so he sticks no. his foot out, basically breaks Sammy Blaze. Foot, either because of that or from that, so it's just no. Get these guys gotta they got they gotta get punished. And again, I, as I said before, I can't wait till PK suban's in the broadcast booth because he's going to be a hell of a broadcaster and a great representative for the NHL. But he's as as far as as far as a defenseman goes, it's three things are guaranteed: death, taxes. PK sluban is a slew footing people. So yeah. No. Yeah. You you can't have that. You can't. And what happens when one of these guys are are seriously injured? What happens when somebody slew foots McDavid?
1: Yeah. That's when you're really going to see it. Someone slew foots McDavid and then you're, that's what it's going to take. And, and, and you know, what's funny. It's, and I, I got into it with somebody on Twitter and they were talking about protecting star players and how they protected Artemi Panarin. No, they they don't pre- Ar- Artemi Panarin is not a Connor McDavid. Nope. And it, that's the type of player that you're going to need to have one of these incidents happen to in order for them to really start cracking down on all this or somebody's going to have to get really hurt and the NHL is going to have no choice because it's going to be something that's going to be all over the place. All over ESPN, which would be bad PR for them to have a, a life-altering incident like that. And
0: let me go with let, let me go with an incident that happened on ESPN. Um, as a matter of fact, it happened, I believe, on ESPN, and ESPN had covered it for a little bit, and then the NHL went away from that. Todd Bertuzzi, the Todd Bertuzzi incident. Happened on ESPN. J.D.'s getting interviewed every five minutes about it. And even J.D. says this could possibly be with a, with a lockout going, the longest suspension in NHL history. And by amount of days, it was. Because Bertuzzi had to reapply to go back to the league. It's just, no, we we, we don't need this. And God help us if we see it in a Stanley Cup final. And that changes around things. It's It's a dangerous play. Get it out of the game.
1: Yeah. And that, that's it. It, it. There's just, there's no need for it. It's a dirty play. There there's, there's nothing, there's nothing to defend someone like PK Subban. And, and you know what I, I see, I see, and you guys are right. You know, he, he's a talented player and it, it's just, it's a dirty play. There's no need for it. And for a guy who does all these videos of all these skating drills for him starting and stopping, I've never seen him once throw around his leg when he's trying to stop. So don't tell me it's a it's something that creeps into his game, like uh, Tim Peel said on Twitter. And, and, and no, saying. and
0: and by the way, just to go with this one, uh, Subban's a dirtier player than Wilson and gets away with it. He doesn't get away with it. He's rewarded. He won a, a Norris Trophy in twenty thirteen. It 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 drives me crazy. And again, I'm not saying, and again, P.K. Subban has a world of talent, even still, in the later stages of his career. But there was no need for any player to be doing this all the time, unless you literally cannot play defense at this league. Because you you, you, you can't be knocking people's feet out all the time. It's, it's, it's basically the equivalent of when Chris Paul used to run by players and punch them in the balls. Yeah. It, it's it, it's just that. But guys, what do you think about Slutfuts? Think they're creeping up all around the league? After all, three players have been suspended now this year because of them. Uh is it something that we need to get rid of? Throw it all down in the comments below. Like, share, and subscribe. Once again, uh, so we're gonna get rid of these this banner, uh, get back the ticker in a second, but we're also gonna get to taking your questions right now. Um yeah, By the we'll, way, hi Jack. I'll, I just saw you just come on a second ago.
1: Yeah, hey Jack, how's it going, man?
0: Speaking about people, we're hoping to come back on in return. We hope Anthony will be with us again in a moment.
1: I'll go back That's... up to what we were doing over here, Um, and because this is a really good question that I wanted to get in before we started. That Um, do you think that Drury and or Gallant were right in keeping Hunt around and not Kravtsov, given how well Hunt has played? Listen. It, dryden hunt's playing a lot better as of late but the way that they handled that situation was so piss poor and yes Kraftsov is not free of blame him and his agent dan millstein did not help this situation out but the rangers have mishandled him chris drury it's now known that chris drury berated him in front of the entire hartford Wolfpack team when he exercised his his KHL clause a couple of years back when he went back to Russia. So Chris Jury needs to be better with handling players. Uh, as As a professional sports executive, one of the requirements of your job is to be able to handle different personalities and players, because every player has a different personality from the next. And they did not handle this situation well. And I expect more of a professional sports franchise than I do of an 18, 19, 20-year-old that has an agent in his ear. You know, should the agent have been better for him? Sure. But this organization has had several players have gripes against it in the last two to three seasons. And that's concerning to me. So I I I I definitely don't think that they uh, I definitely don't think that they've handled that well. Yes, Dryden Hunt has played well, but how better would this team be if Vitaly Kravtsov was in the lineup and was productive?
0: I asked this question about him. What if Vitaly Kravtsov was in this lineup? They they put him in the first spot and but they didn't give them power play time because they got to give it to kako Lafrenier, Heedle, truba and miller for the second unit or lundquist either one and would he get frustrated and just say if he's not producing and then gets knocked down to the fourth line and then go awol because that's not not in his past already i agree with you though Chris Drury should have handled this a little bit better. You were a former captain, especially of the New York Rangers. Yeah. You're going to have to you're gonna have to interact with guys. You already do interact with guys. Now, as an executive, especially when you're the president, there's only one person above you. That's Jim Dolan. Kako's not free of blame. I would have rostered Kako... Yeah, exactly. Not bothered protecting Hayek? Why? Why? That's like uh, there's there's a car across the street from my house right now it hasn't moved in three years minimum since I've been here, and yet somebody broke the window in it recently and they put a they put a garbage bag over it. Why? You're not even moving the damn car. It's got four flat tires. That's basically Weaver Hayek.
1: <laughs> like, you know what? The scary part is is that's accurate. It's accurate. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Libor Hayek has as much future with the New York Rangers organization as I do.
1: Okay, Dave, you, you, I'm not, I'm not saying that he would. I, I, I'm giving you a hypothetical, but who's to say he wouldn't be productive in that role? He had two goals and four points playing with Brett Howden in fourth line minutes last year. You, yeah. You're telling me that he couldn't do that again.
0: Well, one of those goals, one of his goals was with Panarin uh, when yes. they put him on the second unit. Yes. and yes. the other, and the other goal. What was with percent. Brett Howden, and there was a third goal that he had that Lindy Ruff decided one. to yank. So yeah. I mean, but then again, he showed why they should have because they made a game out of it at the end. But the original, um,
1: but the original point is this one, and, and and Jack's point is the point that I've made before. It's bad asset management. That's what it comes down to. There's no reason why you should be trying to get anything for Leibor Hayek. Over the development of a top 10 pick who is your number two prospect in the organization. There's no need. There's just no need. And they mishandled it. They mishandled it terribly. And this team, they've mishandled Leah's Anderson. There was a problem with Capo Caco, which thankfully they're, they're getting it right. There's mm-hmm. been issues with the way that they've handled Alexi Lafreniere. Philip Hedel voiced his frustration with David Quinn last year. Julian Gauthier voiced his frustration with David Quinn. Where, where does it end? When When is it a oh boy that cried wolf situation with this team? When does the team start to take the blame? Well, that's also it goes back to him. what we're talking about, about learning how to be
0: a pro. So a little bit of that's on the player, but also it's communicating to the player at all times. Here's where Quinn was actually good with that. At times, not a lot, at times, he explained to Butchnevich what he wanted out of him, it took three years to get through to him. And then eventually it did. And now Buchnevich flourished into a 20 goal scorer in a short season. And then by that time had to get out. So it's just, it's, it's just, I, that's the, some players flourish in those situations. I, I can imagine them inviting him back, especially if there's an injury, uh, Kratov is in the lineup in March when the KHL season ends. We'll see where it goes from there. But who's to say that Dryden Hunt
1: isn't the right call to begin with? Yeah, and and that's fair because he's playing well. It just is what he's doing sustainable. And if so, how long is he going to be able to sustain this for? Where does he go after that if if he's not if it's not sustainable? I mean the way that he's playing right now would indicate that he could at least be a very good fourth liner and that and that's good they need a player like that there but I mean again it's early we'll see but I don't but know again
0: it's one of the things one of the things that I thought that was so alarming about the Kratzoff situation we were sitting here scoffing about it when they resigned Mika Zavanajad somebody I think it was uh Granny that brought it up what do you think if uh if they cut uh, Kratsov. and I, my answer was, You're cutting Kratsoff, you're cutting, you're releasing him because he's gonna go back to Russia, and then that's exactly what happened. So I thought they weren't gonna do it, and then they did it, and he went back to Russia. Um, <laughs> I got a good one for you right over here in a second, but uh, uh
1: I know which one you're going to, yeah. Uh, so right. I mean,
0: it's, it's just the it, 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 you knew it was gonna happen. Then why do it? You're you're better off trying to keep the player and keep him happy than sending him off. And look, it's working out now. But the uh, the thing that alarmed me was Gerard Gallant's input on it. He signed, he must have signed off on this. It wasn't Chris Drury saying, get this guy out of here. It was just, you know what, we need this player over this player. And if Gerard Gallant was one of those guys that thought the Rangers should keep Libra Hayek over Vitaly Kratsoff, uh, then something some was definitely up. And by the way, yes, if he was at rookie camp, maybe that would have helped. Yes, if he wasn't injured in play, in the preseason, that would have helped. There's a lot of other factors. And again, some of it's
1: kratsoff Communication is such a big thing. It seems like for, the, it for three years now, three seasons in a row now, that there's just been piss poor communication with this player and his, his camp. And, and he's not and he a new agent.
2: APB. John,
0: yeah, you're right. APB for Libra Hayek. Yeah. I think I think there's more of a chance. Uh there's more of a chance that I suit up first than yeah. Lever Hayek.
1: So so um I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild guess that this one is the one that you were looking uh to highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> I, I the only thing I can really say is he's played better. He's played a hell of a lot better away from the puck. He looks like he's more he looks like he's more invested in games now. He's engaged, he's he's in on the four check. When Chris Kreider plays like this, he's playing his best hockey. And, and that's what you need from him every night. That's what I've been asking for. And he's finally starting to give that. And you know what? He's getting rewarded with all these damn deflection goals. I think he has one goal this season in which he's put a shot on Net. One goal. Yeah, think about that. It, it, uh, it, I think
0: there's two. I think it, well, there was the one against. This is a, this, this this is where it gets it gets it gets bad, because I think the one against the Islanders was a shot. The one against the Canadians was a shot.
1: Okay, so there's three then, because I think he has one against Columbus too. That was a shot.
0: Yeah, he had one against Columbus that was a shot, but is the he's he still up at deflections so, and yeah. he's doing it in the new NHL style, which is not in front of the goaltender like Adam Graves used to do it or the way I do it, it is just.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and that, that's great though. I mean, if he's getting to these, these locations just off to the side and getting these tips and these weird angles, that just adds another dimension to his game offensively. And, and, and that's good. That's really good because you, you, you need that because it, 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 he's doing something right by getting into the right spots at the right times. It's just what I was asking for from him was just the other part of the game. And Chris Carter had the most Chris Carter start to the season. He was getting goals in games where he wasn't really doing anything otherwise, but it was just like the one little moment where he was in the right spot at the right time. And he got the damn deflection or the power play goal. And you know what? And, and that helped them win those games. Yes. But, what would have helped them win those games more convincingly was if Chris Kreider would have been Chris Kreider of the last, I don't know, five to 10 games that he's
0: right. And, and also, as I said, I, in my comment on uh, Phil's the good, the bad, the ugly, check it out tonight, by the way, after the game, the, the the fact that he even tried the, the Michigan move was, was that's showing how much confidence that he's playing with right now. Oh yeah. He's he's still a good two way player for the Rangers, and if he this if this is the Chris Crowder that we're getting, and by the way, here's another thing about the Rangers right now: Mika Zibanejad has not really peaked yet at nope. all. Nope. And he's if Mika Zibanejad start like hit, we, we started to see with Panarin. We were all a little bit concerned about Panarin. Mika Zibanejad starts hitting his stride, this team could really be dangerous and very soon. Oh yeah. But and, and, by the way, before before uh, before we move on to the next question or the next comment. I got to throw up a little bit of confetti because uh, what you guys may not know is that yesterday was Phil's birthday. Yay. Yay. We actually, um, we actually had a bunch of surprises that we had for him for, uh, Oh, not hide the ticker. I didn't want to hide the ticker, but uh, we had a bunch of surprises for him for uh, the, the bar meetup, which I, I am sad to say that it did not happen. There will be other days. A little bit of a kick in the teeth. Still got an autographed Mika Zibanejad jersey, an autographed Dennis Poppin jersey, uh, an Iron Man bobblehead that that's showing he's a New York Islander. I mean, they could really use an Iron Man right now on that team. Uh, all those, all all the nice little treats. It would have been great to meet up with everybody, but uh, Phil's birthday was yesterday. So go ahead, everybody. Wish him a happy birthday down in the comments below. <laughs>
1: Thank you guys. Thank you everybody, girls too. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know if you all saw this. Um, I, I don't think it was posted in the Facebook group, but um, Mark, Anthony, and uh, uh, my, uh, basically the, the commenter whose screen name is My Right Nut. Uh, came together and uh, they did. They got Marty San Luis to do a cameo video for me, wishing me a happy birthday, which is one of the coolest things I've ever gotten as a birthday present. Um, if you saw my uh, editorial back in May about Marty San Luis and his Mother's Day goal, you know how much that run meant to me because it's home. I mean, having lost my mother 11 years in May before Marty's, I lost my mother in May of 2003 to cancer. so for for me, Marty's run like really hit me in the fields and that Mother's Day goal was amazing. it was it was a full goal, but you know what it, it, it like you couldn't have scripted a story better to have Marty score that goal and that was really the galvanizing point of that run. So um, I I don't uh, I I don't I I can't I can't put into words what that meant. That was awesome. Thank you guys so much.
0: I don't know why our colors keep going back to yellow. I'm gonna assume it's our resident prankster who's who's kind of hiding on me right now. Yeah, um,
1: he probably he's probably messing around with things right now. I don't know <laughs> what he's doing. Well, he we messed around with me pretty only. good
0: last week. Um. Although here's a little bit of a contrasting uh, uh, partially disagreeing that Drury has much fault as uh, has been only one player who seems to be of a positive
1: attitude. Like, yeah. No, no, because it, it, if that was the case, why did Leah's Anderson have his problem? Why did Philip Pito have his problem? Why did Julian Gaugier have his problem? Why did uh who else are we thinking of here? Capo Kako voiced his concerns in a Finnish publication about how he thought there, there was a problem in New York. Several problems, or several players came out and have voiced their concerns about the organization, the way that they handled players. So I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, AZ, but that's, you know what? Enough is enough. I, I stopped giving the organization the pass. They have not had a great history with developing players. So that's, to me, that's, it's got to stop. And thank you, John. I appreciate that.
0: But we can all agree on this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We definitely don't see
0: it in Libra Hayek. I mean, I've said before, I'll say it again. And it's, and Brody, you got it on that one too. It's the Rangers management as a whole, they've had issues with their younger players. It's, you got to know how to navigate these people and, uh, well, these people, you, you navigate people in general.
1: Think about whether this way: like at, at Mark, you deal with all different types of people at your all job. the time. You, you deal you deal with more different types of people, I think, than anybody at anyone's job. Like you, you're 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 one person is never the same type of person as the next person that comes in. Whether it's whether it's gender, whether it's race, orientation, creed, religion, political views, whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. You come. You come across the cornucopia of people. You know how to handle that, and you know that you have to handle each one of them differently because they respond differently to the way that you deal with them, and that's how you have to be as a sports executive as well.
0: Yeah, and I mean, look with the uh, the Tony D'Angelo thing, I think that's a little bit incumbent on the player. We all yeah. kind of saw something like that potentially happen with him one day there's there's always the red flags but then again one of the guys the guy that ended up punching him was giorgiev and giorgiev appeared on his podcast all the time but also it, it goes with you have to be a professional every single day and and go about this you can have your extra stuff you can be tom brady and have your radio show and stuff like this but you got to you you got to be responsible to your team first. Like Tom Brady wasn't the back of quarterback with a radio show. He was trying to prepare, trying to do everything. And even when he won three Super Bowls, still didn't have a radio show, had some endorsements. It wasn't until like his later years in New England. By that time, he's, he's on his fifth Super Bowl win. He can do whatever the hell he wants then
1: yeah and I, part of that though, is also probably the NFL pushing him behind the scenes because they know that they have a cash cow. They know that this guy is, you know, Mr. Everything. He's a guy with a clean record, a guy that's never been in any such sort of legal trouble or or criminal trouble or anything like that. So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna market the hell out of him and and rightfully so. that's like that's the type of guy you wanna market, the Wayne Gretzkys, the Tom Bradys guys like that you know you're, you're Michael Jordans even though Michael Jordan they, he had a little bit of controversy with him yeah it, it, yeah Michael Every, Jordan, every player's, part never really got into a whole lot of trouble
0: but I mean it, it, it there's a lot of pressure to do that can you imagine if Tony D'Angelo or never by Tony D'Angelo um get a guy a little bit more let's a little, you know I, I think the guy's going to be a great broadcaster PK Subban could you imagine if he was doing this show with us right now I mean, first off, by the way, thank you for the views, if that would be the case. But also, <laughs> uh, it, you'd be you have to criticize you, not only yourself, but your 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 form, your team your current teammates, former teammates, contemporary players in the league. And then let's say you get traded to a different team. That's why I don't think I don't think active players should be should be doing radio shows and stuff like that. And that's been our podcast. That's yeah, been that's everywhere. Steve you can do a his podcast. Own
1: podcast. Suban has his own podcast, and you know what? Feel, you know, feel free to do whatever you can do. But I mean, if you're, if you can balance it, then sure, by all means, go ahead, do it. And uh, I'm gonna make this clear right now because it's actually another good point from Jack. I'm not calling for jury's job yet either. I'm not. I. I don't oh no. Or, but I don't think anybody should be calling for his head yet.
0: Yeah, Although no, we're a long see- ways from calling for Chris Drury's head. Yes. Especially while the team's in third place with only four regulation losses on the season.
1: Yeah, and listen, I I, I I I'm not I'm not calling for Chris Drury's head. I'm I'm not even gonna say that Chris Drury has done a bad job. I it's too early to tell on any of those fronts. But the one thing I will say is that I am not happy with the way that he handled that situation. Like you It comes down to being the bigger and better party in this case, like when you when when you have a younger brother that goes and hits you and, you know, you hit him back and then you get in trouble and he doesn't. What do your parents tell you? Be the bigger and better person, you know, and that's it. And that's what he had to do. And he didn't do it. So but. Again, and and this is a good point from Mike. We're in spite of everything that's gone on with jury and and back and you know behind the scenes and everything like that, we are winning right now. The Rangers. I should yeah. say. Uh, not to say we because we're not and, we're not actually playing, but the Rangers. And, are yeah, winning we're not players.
0: part of the organization either. Yeah, no. uh, but the the one thing to say with that is, yeah, and trusting Gavon. That's why there's more. Because can you really say jury's botching things when? I mean, some, somebody had some hot take on Twitter about, oh, well, now Sammy Blaze is done for the season. Good thing we wasted the Buchnevich trade. It wasn't about wasting the Buchnevich trade. And, yes, it wasn't supposed to be where Kratsov was, was not supposed to be. Kratsov was supposed to come over and wow everybody, third-year player. But it's just – look, sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. This is a time where something yeah. did not work out right, which, by the way, will bring us back to this. Our previous general manager – John, you're right about this one. Uh, one of Jeff Gordon's moves is not looking good. Is the Ryan McDonough trade?
1: He has he has a few moves that are not looking good. Uh, I, I mean, the Ryan McDonough trade is one of them. I mean, the Jacob Trouba contract doesn't look good at all. Uh, no, uh, they, it was they, it was it was a
0: no brainer at the time, and it was.
1: I don't think it was a no brainer to give him eight million. I I I think that's still too much. I I do they, agree they, with you on that. Seven. Yeah, seven might have been pushing it. I, I think you didn't have to bid against yourself, and that's what Gorton did. You yeah. didn't have to bid against yourself. Um, I, he's made some questionable moves, and not only that, but he, he got lucky with Adam Fox. Adam Fox wanted to come to New York. Artemi Panarin took less money to come to New York, and then he got two. He got two draft balls that went in his favor to get Kako and Lafreniere. So which. Which offers the, the sorry, wait, finish your point first. But I, I was gonna say, you know what? Without all of that, what does his tenure look like in New York? That's the question
0: that somebody, and a matter of fact, I, I brought them up earlier. Um, Lego Rocks was talking about at one point. All right, was it him or was it uh, no, it might have been Hockey News, which we're beating them in views occasionally. <sighs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, if let's say the Rangers don't win those lottery picks, and they end up getting let's say Marco Rossi and Jamie Drysdale, how does this rebuild look? I
1: mean, is it better or is it yeah, worse? You, you know, maybe Jamie Drysdale comes in and he he's a great puck mover for them, and he's another great puck mover. Well, maybe not even Marco Rossi because Marco Rossi they wouldn't have picked there in the in the Lafreniere draft. What if yeah. they, they would have gotten picked at 11? What if they took Anton Lundell?
0: Th- then you get a center then that you you've get been waiting to get for maybe, a while. Maybe
1: everything looks different. And Lundell
0: looks fantastic. It, yeah, it does
1: look good. Anton, I tell you right now, I would love to have Anton Lundell because he's got a bunch of points and he's not even getting big offensive minutes. He's not getting power play time either.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It, it's one of those things that I'm thinking, I'm kind of thinking that the Jeff Gordon rebuild might have been a little bit sabotaged by winning those picks cuz then expectations go up but then again yeah. here's the thing Gerard Gallant isn't the coach of the New York Rangers right now David Quinn is because maybe. expectations
1: don't maybe. rise with him maybe maybe that's the case uh, oh no this was the comments okay uh, there it goes the Mika's a at trade and and I'm going to I'm going to I'm actually going to uh, actually it applies to all three of these Jeff Gorton kind of fleeced some pretty s- stupid general managers in this. He Wait a minute.
0: You mean somebody would fleece Peter Shirelli?
1: Yeah, I was going to say Peter Shirelli. And then you have Don Sweeney in Boston, who instead of taking Car- Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, and Matt Barzal, took Zach Senishin, Jakob Zaboral, and Jacob De- uh, Jake Debrusque. Three picks in a row in 20, 2015, which set back the Bruins like five years, basically killing them. Now now Boston looks like they're trying to keep a window open that could be closing. And then the Mika Zibanejad tr- trade was Pierre Dorian, who has not been good in Ottawa as a general manager. And he fleeced him for Mika Zibanejad. And actually, the biggest thing about Mika Zibanejad in that trade was Mika Zibanejad didn't come around in New York until his third season when he started taking his off-season regimen seriously. Yeah. And he admitted that.
0: There's lots of times where players don't click at their first thing. Um, I think it was Phil Esposito said one time that the Kim getting traded for Boston, even though it wasn't his first team was one of the biggest shocks in his life. And Keith Hernandez always brought up that uh, when you're first traded, it is one of the most devastating moments to you because you can't believe you're ever leaving an organization. But sometimes that clicks players mentally into the game. It lets you know, hey, they're giving up on me. Somebody else wants me, so maybe I got to go over there and 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 try harder, play better. Uh, there's so many
2: well, extra things. Familiar. And JT Miller,
0: Miller, which is J. by the way, while well, I was going to bring up Dave's for two reasons. Two, there are two comments I want to bring up right now. One is Dave's, because uh, to be fair, uh, to be fair, the Mac trade wasn't destined to look good, especially after throwing at JT
1: Miller. And you're right about yeah. that; it wasn't. But JT Miller himself said that he really turned his career around when Tampa dealt him to Vancouver that was when he started to take his off season training and other things a lot more seriously as well. And sometimes that's what it takes.
0: And then going over to this one. Yes. i very much done with people complaining about the uh, JT Miller situation. And I'm uh, sorry that JT Miller, the Pavel Buchnevich trade and yeah, we, I was, I was on here trying to process that trade, bush or play. Mm-hmm. And then who explained it to us? Marty Biron is he, when he said that no matter what, you have to sign that player afterwards.
1: I and get that, but, but here, here's, here's going to be my counter here. If that's the case, why are you going and giving 3.6 million to Barkley Goudreau and then another two, seven, five to Patrick Nemeth, when you can go get a player like Barkley Goudreau, which the Rangers ended up doing in Dryden Hunt, who's been better than Barkley Goudreau, especially as of late. And you <laughs> could go get a player like John Merrill for 875K, which is $2 million less than Patrick Nemeth. And, and he gives you the same type of production. To me, that's bad cap management by Chris Jury. And yeah. you, you went and you overpaid for a Stanley Cup winner which it kind of reminds me of the Mike Keene situation. And you went and overpaid for a number six, five, six defenseman who really isn't all that good. If you saved the money on that, you could still have Pavel Butch damage who might've taken less than 5.8 million to be in New York. Five, five, two, five, maybe. You never know.
0: It's it's one of those things, uh, as I just saw something, I have to go check on that in a second. But um, it's one of those things that, yeah, it, it's I think the thought was get tougher, get meaner. We got pushed around by Tom Wilson. And sometimes, I mean, organizations could get Tom television. I mean, that happens all the time where you just go, oh, my God. Think about the Rangers in the 90s, the Rangers in the 90s. In 1995, we're so focused on the, the Philadelphia the sweep,
1: Flyers that they moved. Yeah, the sweep by Durba the Flyers. They for Robitaille and Samuelson
0: Right. So they focused on getting a team that can beat the Philadelphia Flyers and the New Jersey Devils.
1: And, and then the what next happened year, again 15 years later?
0: And, well, it happened again. But also, by the way, they focused on, hey, we got to get a team to beat the Devils and, and, the, uh, and the Flyers. Who did they get the playoffs in the very next year? The Montreal Canadiens. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, neither one of them were were the teams that they were built no. to beat, and they got knocked out by the Penguins and had trouble with the Canadians. The very next year, they get Wayne Gretzky, they get the Devils, they, they get all the teams that they thought they were going to get. They get the foot, they get the Panthers, they get the Devils, they get the Flyers. It was the Flyers of five games, and that that and series bit of who did, who a did, who of
1: the did they get by the deadline to to uh, in in ninety seven? Who did they Tickin get? The in deadline?
0: and Russ Cortnell.
1: Russ Cortnall. Yes. I was, that, that was what I was going to say. Russ Cortnall was one of their deadline additions in, in the 1997 season. So that, that didn't really fit. It seems like this team has a, a, a propensity to overreact to certain situations. And like I said, they did it again, 15 years later, after 1995, they lost that two game set to Philadelphia or well, they didn't lose it. They, they split it. But they lost the last game, and they lost it in a shootout. And when you when you do that, you, you tend to overreact and make very irrational decisions. And the irrational decision that they ended up making was drafting Dylan McElrath over players like Vladimir Tarasenko, Camp Fowler, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Jaden Schwartz, and others that they could have drafted.
0: Which... Yeah. Which, by the way, oh, and we'll get on that one in a second, although that's us that put that, that in there. But yeah. that's also why you can't look at the NHL draft and draft out of need because you don't know where this player is going to be in a few years. You could do that if you think you're going to get a guy this year. By the way, just to mention, uh, AZ, the Lingren is signed through 2024. 20, He's got a $3 million uh, a year AAV. Um, which, by yeah, the way, saying A.V., that's who we're going to be taking on tonight. A.V. So, uh, yeah, Nemeth and Tenorti. Nemeth, not as much of a mistake as Tenorti is. But, yeah, Nils is starting to come around. He looks good. Let's go back to this. Uh, what are your thoughts on the biting situation?
1: Uh, that's not – that's classless. Classless.
0: It was Yarko and- Ritu, right?
1: Yarko Rute was another one who did that. Um, wasn't it? Um, wasn't it Marchand who bit? Uh, or no, it was Alex Burrows who bit Patrice Bergeron in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, that was another one. So yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't care for that. I don't, I don't care what the situation is, unless he's, unless Brady Tkachuk was actually trying to end his life. There's no reason for Brendan Lemieux to be biting him. It's classless. Before, and 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 then from that there were some articles that were dug up or articles that were made. I should say that Brendan Lemieux did not have exactly a great following in uh, New York. And like Tony D'Angelo, he had his detractors, which I could totally see. I, I, I get it, but you know what? I didn't think Brendan Lemieux was all that great of a player. You know what?
0: And he he has, he hasn't playing better in LA. They, They said he looked completely lost at the end of last year. They said he's been playing a lot better right now than this incident
1: happens. You know, and and good for him. And, and you know what? That's probably a testament, also, again, to how Quinn was mishandling and micromanaging players. But you know what? That's gone. Lemieux is gone. I don't think Lemieux makes much of a difference on this team. I really don't. And oh, I hey, like the this team has.
0: And also, on top of all the happy birthday wishes, you simmered down. You slimmed down a lot of.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was actually just about to address <laughs> that. Down a lot. Um, thank you both. Chris and Gruntown Granny, um, I've actually added some muscle. There's definition in my arms as well that I've had that I've never really had before. Uh, my chest—I know I look slimmer. It's part of it is the T-shirt. Uh, I'm not going to bulk. Uh, I just really want to get toned out. Maybe add uh, a few pounds of muscle. I'm probably about like 185 right now. Um, I was down from 235, so I've lost about 50 pounds, but. Um, I don't, I don't really plan on bulking up much.
0: One eighty five is usually my target weight every single time I start a diet. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's my, that was my target. No, I'm not taking off my shirt. (laughs) My beer gut is almost completely gone. There's still a little bit left to it that that excess stubborn belly fat. That's always hard to get rid of. There's a little bit of that left, but I, I definitely look a lot better with, uh, my uh, shirt off than I did before. That's for, I got to agree with
0: Jack on this one, by the way, uh, $3 million for Lingren. That's the wrong comment. Oh, sorry. Did somebody cut me in a comment? Yeah, it, it, it,
1: it, it, it's a, it's definitely a uh, complete steal. I totally Jack's been on the money. The, the, the last, the last uh, good, bad and ugly video I did. Jack was pretty much like in my head, picking out things that I was going to say. So um, prediction for tonight's game, I'm going to say Rangers four two
0: uh right yeah i think four two is a good one um uh fourth one i'm not a big believer in the flyers
1: it's not uh and carter Hart's also bounced back but i just think if this if this ranger team plays the way that they've been playing lately and they're they're they key in on joel farabee and really limit his chances i think they're going to end up winning that game
0: yeah I mean, the Flyers are sort of an interesting thing. I, I still, I guess, still think Av is not exactly a fit there, even though no. he was he was good their first season. Av, you know what? I, I, he's not necessarily a French Pete DeBoer, <laughs> but he kind of is. His teams are usually great to start and then always regress. And they never yeah, really get better. It's always
1: that first season where they always seem to play well, except for Vancouver. Vancouver got better as they went along with him. Yeah, but, uh, every every team he's had since then, the Rangers was that way. Philly's and and an way. underrated,
0: an underrated Rangers team that he had was the twenty seventeen Rangers. Uh, that team should have been a lot better. They should, have, but they should have beat Ottawa. Uh, I, part I don't of get right part out. of why they didn't beat Ottawa was him. Was him? I mean, you you pl- uh, Brady. Brady Shea is two goals. You're winning 5-3. They get him, Brendan Smith, get one or two more shifts in the final 10 minutes. And you ride Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi for two and a half minutes? Nope. Not a no, good idea.
1: No. And then they put out Stahl with Girardi, and that was really what killed them. Is yeah. They put out two defenders who couldn't handle the puck or move the puck well. And Ottawa just got all of them. Henrik Lundqvist was also not himself in that series. Uh, I, I I don't like to <laughs> lay blame on Henrik Lundqvist, but if you're going to tell me that Henrik Lundqvist was himself in that series, I have oceanfront property in Nebraska to sell you.
0: Um, I'm going to defend Henrik a little bit on that one because there are, there are plays where he made diving stops and then somebody throws on the puck on the net, like Cody CC and it goes in and yeah,
1: but he, he let in, he let in a few a, 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 more than a, I would say more than one or two soft goals in that series. The Eric Carlson goal, which was scored from, like, the goal line.
0: Yeah, it hit him in the head.
1: I think I've ever seen him let up. It it hit him in the head went in. And then the Kyle Turris overtime winner. I know Girardi once again fell because he has a habit of falling on overtime winners, apparently, ask Justin (laughs) Williams. Um, But the goal that he led up to Turris after Girardi fell was really very, very questionable it just it, it was it, it was not a good goal. It was just see you later, gone, totem, granny. But um, don't worry,
0: don't worry, granny. We're gonna be right behind you too because we're gonna yeah, get set for this game in about yeah. Another we gotta 10 get minutes.
1: set for this game. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta eat too. So yeah. To
0: Whoa. Hey, all right, you guys flickered on me a little bit, but that was uh, my monitor going for a second.
1: Okay. Yeah, but it, it just that was not not Henrik Lundqvist's best series. Like <laughs> I, I guarantee you, if you you ask Henrik about it he would probably tell you that that was not his best series either.
0: Well, I I tell you what, uh, Henrik will probably tell you he should have every goal because that's what he believes. Yeah. So, all right. So, guys, we're actually going to sign it off right there. Enjoy the game tonight. I would actually love it if this happens, by the way. Thank you, Dave. Five-three Rangers, Mika Zibanejad, Hattrick, Panarin, and Yeah, they, talk about but a guy you know that what, needs that's, one. You know what? I would love to see the Zibanejad Hattrick with an empty netter and I would rather see a goal from the third line and get in there and uh, hopefully more to go. But guys, thank you very much for joining us. uh, This will be loaded on iTunes and Spotify for tomorrow. Uh, We're going to, we're going to try to get as many of these videos out as possible. If you don't catch a filk, good, bad and ugly tonight, there'll be an edited version tomorrow morning. So enjoy. And I will talk to you guys soon.
1: Everybody have a good night. Let's go Rangers.
0: Let's go.